You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the eagles are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Three, two, one. What could beat a summer of wrestling every day? I don't really know. But we're here again. Welcome, everyone, to Talk Brunch Live. This is officially episode 334. I'm your host, as always, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. And on this August 12th, as we're winding down the end of summer, we bring you... Our traditional weekly wrestling news and joining me shotgun is Mr. Dustin Frazier. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Monday Night Skype, I guess. <laughs> Only if you're Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to all of you who've been with us the entire week and we've been winding down NXT Takeover Toronto. And also winding down good old WWE SummerSlam, all coming to you from Toronto. Yay! What the fuck? <laughs> I know, right? Weird. Everything's weird. What was that? I don't know. Anyway, shout out to the chat room, to EB Gamer and Joe Woko, Willie V2, Stasis, Cool Ice. Also, all of those currently listening to the live feed over at talkbrunch.com and of course the rest of you who are listening on the man via iTunes, Stitcher and all other popular podcatcher apps as always we're available on all major digital audio providers including SoundCloud to search TalkBrunch essentially anywhere and you can visit the .com for that plus social media links as well as replays of our content welcome all to this week's story on that quite the weekend my god mm-hmm it's quiet now, you know, because everybody's on wrestling burnout. Yeah. It's weekends like this where it's just like, you know what? I think I'll miss Raw for the next couple of weeks. I'll catch up. <laughs> yeah. But the chat room and everything was, like, so freaking active this week. And I have to thank everybody for that. It was, like, super busy. So, you know, it goes to show when wrestling yeah. doesn't suck, neither do we. Yeah, we're back on YouTube, guys, so don't forget to watch the YouTube version if you want to see the visuals, if you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, which it looks like um, that's where most of our listeners are at this point. My fault for moving everyone and abandoning YouTube, but we're semi-back on there if you ever want to watch visuals, which I guess not many people give a crap about that. You can go right ahead and do it. You know, it's up there. So you can see the followers and the chat room and all of that other stuff that's embedded in there for you. But yeah, uh I don't know. I got to say that as much as we, we've been down on the product, they, as always, and like I always say, they uh, know how to put together big weeks of wrestling. They know how to put together big shows, you know? Oh, yeah. Nothing has been disappointing up to this point. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, nothing at all. Um, Would you say that the NXT TakeOver uh, outshined the, uh, the, the actual SummerSlam or no? This is one of the rare times where it's you there's really not a definitive yes or no because 
with SummerSlam, I mean, it's SummerSlam. They that's one of the nights where if they're going to deliver, they're going to freaking deliver. And everybody definitely came out to play for sure. But I've always had this vibe with NXT where it's like the most off the walls game. Can you top this? We, in a sense, got instead of five matches, we got five main events at TakeOver where you can always see the hierarchy with the main event stuff, like which is going to be the opener. You don't necessarily always feel like it's everything could have headlined this show. So if I would say TakeOver outdid it, it was not by very much. But it's virtually because, like, with TakeOvers nowadays, we're almost physically exhausted just because of, like, everything that these guys do each other, do to each other every single time they go out there. Yeah. Well, um, thank you, Cool Ice, by the way. So I got distracted by the whole stare, but thank you and also happy belated. I got to turn on those notifications now. Yeah, I don't keep them on anymore. When people, if you hit the notification, if you pull that trigger fast before we get through that intro, um, there'll be no uh, yes, 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 sing, or you just made the listing or any of that, just because it's a little bit of a distraction from us doing the traditional greeting. So I'm like, I'll just keep it off. And when we're comfortable, we'll throw it up there. So I would recommend if you want your hosting or your uh, follows to come up on the stream, just wait until uh, after the music generally, a little bit after the intros from now on. All right, well, first news story that I wanted to discuss doesn't involve WWE. It actually, big surprise there, right? It's actually something that happened in New Japan Pro Wrestling that I found rather interesting that might have gone over people's heads because of the fact that it's uh, it's been a big weekend and everyone's eyes have been on that brand. And that is the fact that Kenta, AKO, aka formerly known as Hideo Itami, is uh, now officially a member of the Bullet Club. Yeah, they finally have some credibility besides G.O.D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, there's a clip of it here, which we'll show you, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. ちょっと待ってください。これ、ケンタ、ひょっとして。何これ微妙なコントロール。いや、笑ったと。柴田選手。そう、ルメート。柴田に誘われて望んだ G1。いや、バレットグラブに入るということか。ちょっと待って、マイクよくしてますよ。ケンタどうした嘘だろ嘘だろ大ブーイングですいや、あ、来たシバタ選手あ、シバタ。シバタ、いや。おー、ヒーティングフ
How long have you been producing that? Everybody got sick. Even Fale. <laughs> this is awesome, man. This is what you call an over ass with everybody. Yes. Oh, the heat. Snack man. Here it comes. Here it comes. PK. Uh oh, nope, not happening. You see? That's terrible. <laughs> Hit him with his own finisher. Wow. Look at that. Now that is a team shot right there. Do, do we already have a screenshot? <laughs> we might. Wow. That one might have to go on the list. Kentaga! I can I can somewhat get behind this bullet club a little bit more, you know. Yeah, they finally have a little. They finally have like it's not just a bunch of guys who needed the needed the bullet club to get the push and the relevancy. The guy who was already over and now he's in bullet club. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, side note: good to see Shibata healthy enough to actually get in there. Like, is he back? Like, is he officially going to be back as a wrestler? I don't know, but that's a good sign. That would like, be awesome. He, he got his shit in. He might be coming back. I'd really like. I mean, that was one of my favorites in New Japan. Oh, he, he was always so much fun to watch, and it was so sad when he got hurt. And I mean, oh boy, like, and yeah, my like Mark's in the chat room now. We're just waiting for time for um, Time Bomb to get back as well. Like, which is hopeful that both of those guys are going to be back. Yeah, interesting time. I mean, now's a really good time to get into New Japan if you haven't already. I know we say it on here a lot, but I'm saying it again. <laughs> Mark said, kick out Jay White and make Kenta the leader. I'd be up for it. <laughs> wow, can you imagine? I, I, I'm I, not opposed to it, you know. Like, right? I, I must say, I'm not opposed to it. Because, uh, I don't know, something about Jay White being leader always irked me. And I, didn't, I never disliked him. I remember him when he was a young boy. When it, was, you know fight, was, uh, it was just... I, I remember when all he used to do fight David Finley at the beginning of every pay-per-view. <laughs> I, I think what it is is just nobody really felt like he'd reached the status, like the status to be a Bullet Club leader. Whereas the guys like the Kenny Omegas and the AJ Styles and the Bowlers and everybody, all those guys kind of hit that level where it's like, okay, you could fit in as a leader. Jay White just seemed to almost get kind of thrown in there. Yeah. And uh, without there being any kind of uh, 
he didn't have to climb the ranks. Like we, see, we even saw Kenny Omega as the cleaner before he was a, oh, yeah. you know, part of being the leader. Everyone was an underling first. It was just weird yeah. how Jay White, he came Every, in during a strange time, but it was just very weird the way that they did it, you know? Yeah. Every Bullet Club leader kind of had to like get up there, but Jay White was just thrown there. So, and then I could see it happening because that's two personalities that will not get along. Yeah. Like Kenta, K- Kenta doesn't like people. Kenta tolerates people. <laughs> like, that's something I think needs to be made clear about that man. You don't, you're not friends with Kenta. Kenta just doesn't feel like kicking you in the face at that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, and the fact that Shibata took a PK, that's a really good sign because that's not exactly a gentle move. Before they even paired those two, which is kind of funny, I always said that Hideo Itami, Kenta, and Shibata reminded me of one another. I guess Kenta, I mean, I, mean, I guess you can say that Shibata reminds me of Kenta because Kenta, yeah. you know, was around first. And, uh, you know, the, the two styles are pretty much essentially the same, and he almost does a better PK than freaking Shibata. Yeah, I mean, it's two guys who will hit you till you stop moving. That would be a vicious match. Like, you could watch that match with your eyes closed because you'd hear everything. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that's a really good sign for Shibata mm-hmm. because I'd like to see him get back in there because he was everybody, especially him, was crushed when he had to when he had to stop. So if that means that New Japan is kind of testing the waters to see if he's going to be okay, I think that might be that that might be the sign we've been looking for for God. What's it been a year now? Over a year he's been hurt. I mean, it looks like he can bump. You know? Yeah, he took a full bump PK. <laughs> so, I mean, you normally wouldn't let somebody bump if they couldn't. Edge being the rare exception, which you heard, you know, you saw what happened. We discussed on SummerSlam the fact that uh, that Edge was uh, able to do his spot. And now we found out that uh, Edge actually was not medically cleared to do anything like that. And according to Brad Shepard, it, it took a lot of convincing for Vince to allow Edge to do that spot because of the fact that Edge is not medically cleared and he didn't want to get into any legal issues. So, because oh. I found that kind of weird too, where it was like, I'm pretty sure, you know, like I followed Edge's career extensively and especially at that end, I'm pretty sure he's not supposed to be able, that's where it surprised the hell out of me when he did. I but, think that's uh, almost, that explains why he was so, because usually when he comes back, he's pretty excited, but he was, he it was beyond I'm in my hometown amped up. Yeah, I mean, and I think now it explains it because he knew he was going to get to do that. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, obviously he's a strong guy that nothing technically should happen. Nonetheless, a doctor would not medically clear him with his condition to be able to do anything like that. So I don't know. I don't know. You have to explain to me how that works. I didn't even know it was possible or allowed, but apparently it is. I almost feel like the only thing I could think of is Edge almost put it in a sense of like, hey, if I get hurt. That's on me. Don't even worry about repercussions or anything. I'm taking this risk. And I guess he he, he almost he, he pretty much wiped everybody else's hands clean of it. Yeah, Mark wants to know, do we have a Wrestle Kingdom match in the future? Shibata versus Kenta? I would think so. I would hope so. I mean, That would be... <laughs> that, ooh, <laughs> oh, that would be so much fun. I'm optimistic that we do. Then we could talk about it on here in detail if that happens. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the fact that he took his own move, which is not a soft move to take, we got time until January. Mm-hmm. 
So, in other news, this story is a bit different from what everybody first perceived it as being. And it's simply, uh, there, based on what we found out tonight, which we'll get into later at the end of the night, uh, there was a video going around where Becky Lynch seemingly was shooting on Sasha Banks. And everyone was thinking, wow, you know, Becky Lynch has a lot of stroke now, or now that she's like the man, you know, and now she's like big in the company, you know, she's allowed to say whatever she wants, either that or she took a risk doing this. Uh, before we even get into anything like that, I'm going to let you guys hear this. The really juicy one. How much would you like to wrestle Sasha Banks? Oh, yeah. Um, if, if Sasha Banks could hack it and she didn't just get her jacket and she's off crying like Ronda Rousey, then I would love to face her. But, uh, but unfortunately, she couldn't take losing. She lost the tag team championship and she was gone. She was gone. Some people can't hack losing. They can't step up. They can't realize that when you lose, it's just a chance to get better. It's a chance to learn and it's a chance to grow. Instead, she wants to talk about, oh, the freaking wind and the butterflies and the freaking cocoons. And I'm a rabbit that's coming from the earth and the soil. And whatever else she wants to put on her little freaking social media crap. Come fight me, Sasha, if you want it. Um, okay. <laughs> Damn, Beckett. Yeah, so uh, that's obviously, you know, a bit of a spoiler that's obviously leading into a storyline. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, clearly yeah. Becky can cut promos so well, people think she shoots, so. Mm hmm. It is, uh, but again, I don't want to spoil it because we have different people on different coasts, as you know. So I don't want to yeah. um, talk too much about what happened, but obviously, this is a storyline. We now know for sure that it is, um, uh, it has nothing to do with uh, Becky shooting on Sasha, which is what people thought. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's a link for anybody who wants to see it that's listening on demand. Um, what are your thoughts, before, before you even get to rolling, what are your thoughts just on the Sasha leaving situation, just, to, just in regards to her leaving, her reason for leaving, her attitude towards the company after leaving? I mean, the fun, the, the thing I, well, when I think back to it, the fact that they promised them this whole this extra special deal with those women tag titles it, it it isn't necessarily that maybe she was just unhappy for a while but i think i think she wasn't where she felt like she had worked hard enough to be and then that happening it was one of those things where it's like i can stay here and be nowhere near as good as i know i can be because i'm too pissed off to try or i can go away clear my head and then move from there because when you're upset and when you're angry you're not thinking clearly but if you take that time step back however much time it is that you would need and kind of clear your thoughts and get yourself lined back up then you can make what then you can make the decision that's going to be best for you because you could get pissed off leave and go to another company and the next thing you know oh you're you wound up screwing yourself over or you could stick you could take some time away come back to that same company and the next thing you know things are a lot better so i mean i i could i've seen situations like that i can understand taking that time away and i mean like i said i follow sasha on so on social media you can see every couple of weeks just kind of that level of stress going down and her finally starting to get her head a little bit more clear so I, I could definitely see it. I, I could definitely see the reason for it. And it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it'll work out better for it in the end, I think. Well, I certainly hope it does because uh, at this point, uh, I think that uh, no one's benefiting from the current situation when it comes to Sasha, you know? Yeah, like, unfortunately, not at all. 
Like people would like to see her back in, in, in wrestling. And honestly, I don't know what it is, dude, but she was a lot better. Like she was a lot better when, uh, she was there. Yeah. You know, like she was a lot better when she was in the lower ranks in NXT. Once they brought her up and they I mean, involved her and everything, it just seemed like, uh, like things weren't working out properly. It just seems like that's always the case with these NXT guys. And I think it's because when they're down there, they just literally tell them, okay, what do you want to do that's going to make you the best you can possibly be instead of when you come up to the main roster and it's like, hey, this is what we're going to give you, and then you make it work. What did we just talk about last week, that one um, story that the writer talked about where it's like, you're a dog, then you're a dog. Now make me want to watch you fight. Like, and how am then, I supposed to pull that off? And then Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having that out of the experience. But yeah, like, <laughs> Sa- Sasha was fantastic in NXT because they just let her be Sasha. They literally told her, okay, it's on you. You be the best you're going to be. And they pretty much make it to where it's like, hey, if you fail, it's on you. Because you were given every opportunity you needed. And Sasha went out there and absolutely killed it. The girl had a stranglehold on the NXT title at one point for a while. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that this leads somewhere relevant. We're going to see what yeah. happens. We're going to be talking more about that later on. But um, the other star I wanted to talk to you guys about was... Uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Zombie Princess, formerly known as the Zombie Princess when he was wrestling in Ring of Honor, did a shoot interview with Chris Van Vliet, and he spoke about a lot of things. I am going to link you guys. I listened to the whole thing. I highly, I can't recommend this one enough. I listened to it while I was uh, putting together today's program, and uh, Jimmy Jacobs is a really wise and informative and insightful person, so I mean, just his views on life and everything were interesting to hear, but he spoke about his experiences in WWE, and I want you guys to hear uh, a minute of that and tell me what you think about this. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was not, it just wasn't a healthy uh, situation for me. I, I found, I don't want to speak for anybody again, but uh, generally speaking, uh, people in WWE do not seem, it does not seem to be a work environment like conducive uh, to people's like, you know, feeling good or enjoying themselves uh, it breeds a lot of insecurity a lot of you know discontentment uh a lot you yeah. probably just had a lot of free time after you got let go hey not really man really like, well i mean especially when i first got fired they, I, there was this like like hot 15 minutes where i was like really in demand which was like really fun it was like it was so much fun i mean i got fired and, like a month later i'm like god this is awesome Why did, <laughs> you know getting fired for you know running an angle with uh with the young bucks was a great idea right um and and, and so yeah man but I, I keep pretty busy and I keep pretty busy at Impact, man. You know, um, you know, I just came off of, we had like three days of creative in, in Canada and flew right here for, for three days. Yeah. And I'll go home and I'll start working on the scripts for the shows when we go to Mexico in a couple weeks. And so, wow. uh, yeah, man, I, I stay busy enough, but like I, I still have time to do what it is that I do. I think there still are a lot of fans, though, that go, there's a full on script for the shows I'm watching. Like, I think people are really surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, uh, Wrestling's fake, and then, people like, know that, but they they just figure. Like, I think a lot of people yeah. from the outside looking in think it's like, okay, you're gonna beat him, and this is the finish. Yeah, no, see, a lot of thought is put into you know the, the stories and and you know uh, what 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 the angles are and, and putting it all together. It's a lot of pieces you got to move around and put into play. It's kind of like a Rubik's cube. You you put it together, you move one thing, and everything else moves around. You're trying to write a lot of weeks of TV, so you're trying to you know create continuity between this and this and this. And what's this guy doing? You got to make this guy strong. Got to keep this guy hot. Got to you know all the, all this sort of stuff, and you, you yeah, just yeah, try yeah. to do it the best you can. And uh, yeah, 
it's fun. It's challenging. Well, the first interview I did with Jericho, or the most recent interview I did with Chris Jericho, he gave you a lot of credit yeah, man. for uh, the list. Yeah, man. I came up with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything else that, uh, you'd be, that you were super proud of in I, WWE? I mean, the, the stuff with Kevin and uh, Owens and Chris Jericho was... Nice. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Not the day scooter. They tried to add us. Add this, motherfuckers. No, swipe left. I, I love when they add you mid-thing. Oh, my God. And now they have this thing where it's like one of two, and then two of three. Like, no, get the fuck out of here. Like, two of three. I'm actually going to cancel my Hulu for that exact same reason. Because, like, they, they want a higher price for non-ads. It's like, you're lucky I'm paying you at all. I could always pay you no mind. <laughs> I don't know what tier that is, but I mean, huh? You know, that that's the best price plan ever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, pay, I could pay you no mind. How about that? Best like, friend stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the like the the crowning stuff of my of my time there. Doing all that with them, you know, coming up with the list of Jericho, uh, whatever involvement I had in writing the uh, the festival of friendship. Uh, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that that day was like yes, like the culmination of, of this of this thing we did. And like, yeah, man, like that's cool, dude. Like a, a lot of it's cool. A, a lot of WB is really fun, except there's like one like black cloud that hangs over the entire place and that's that's the crazy man and yeah. it just <laughs> it's it just creates an, this environment where people aren't trying to do what's best they're not trying to you know come up with the best segment or have the best match or do the most creative thing or the thing that's best for the fans it's just like what's the crazy man not going to yell at me about and that's it man that that ain't no way to run that place so he can bring in paul Heyman and eric bischoff and you know Whoever he wants, Bill Watts and who, who, whatever bookers from the past, he can he can move all these pieces around. Dude. Yeah. But as long as this piece is on the board, the game is going to get played the same, man. I feel like Raw has changed a little bit over the last few weeks. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if that's Heyman's influence or not. So, I mean, Vince is. I'll say this, man. His feet up, our feet are starting to get up against the fire. You okay. know, AW a little bit, but more like ratings going down. Mm-hmm. And they're about to go on Fox. And if the way things keep, you know, trending the way they're trending, they're going to get murdered on Fox. And that was a big, big money deal. Uh, so I could see, I could see him doing some things that he wouldn't normally do otherwise because there's some pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, yeah, he makes a good point. Exactly. But he couldn't have said any better. One thing that he says here, which I want to add, which I think everyone should remember, I thought this was very insightful. And this isn't to say all of Vince is bad, because, man, if, if, you, if you blame the guy for everything that's bad, you've got to give him credit for everything that's good. For sure. If he built this empire, yeah. you know, there's, and there's so many things, anytime you see something good on TV, you've got to go, like, Vince, Vince let that happen. Yeah. You know, maybe he wasn't the one that said, hey, make it happen, but he at least allowed it to happen. So you, 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 have, to, you have to give him his due uh, in that. Oh, and I think that there's a lot of recency bias here. It's it's tough, to, or it's easy to see the bad things that are going on now, and easy to forget the bad things that happened 20 years oh, ago. Oh yeah, people look at the attitude era. And go, it- yeah, I mean, they they both have very valid points. And he goes on to talk about how you know, when you, and you, if you have a million dollar company, you can run it however you want. You know, if it's not my yeah. thing, I won't I won't be a part of it. Exactly. You know, I love how, I love how you could tell right before the drop cut. You could tell he was going to say what we've been saying here. Everybody's talking about how great the attitude era was, but they don't talk about how bad the wrestling was. Um, I mean, it was a different era, man, you know? Yeah, you could get away with it back then. Now you can't. Uh-uh. Yeah, it was a very different world. But yeah, that is one thing. I mean, when good stuff happens, you never hear anybody say, man, it was cool that events like that happened. Like what we just talked about uh, last night with uh, the Fiend's entrance. 
You think somebody just gotten past that without clearing it with Vince? No, no not definitely at all. not. Definitely not. And um, so yeah. the, the bad goes through him, yes, but so does the good. Mm-hmm. And um, it it balances itself in some ways. I know there's a lot of stuff that we don't like, but at the end of the day, that's why there's alternatives. And that's why we encourage viewing of alternatives. You know, but the things that he did talk about that he did, Jacobs himself, is like he helped with the, he was one of the people behind the uh, Festival of Friendship with Jericho and uh, Kevin Owens. One of the Owens. terms of the modern era. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> and that was really well done, you know. Jericho and, looks so sad. But, <laughs> but like he said, you know, and I, and I hate to say it, but that's the first true proof that we've had in a while of someone not saying the writers but saying vince where it was like look he's the one reason you know he even says that the people here don't even have the goals of trying to get over the most which if you've ever listened to the attitude era dvd mark henry talks about that's one of the things they told you get go out there and get over however you can you know because they were going up against wcw you know it's like they're no longer focusing on getting over the most it sounds like everyone's walking on eggshells trying not to get screamed at by the boss and that's that is not a healthy work environment and again you hear positive stories so it's like we can't always say that there are negative stories here because again you got seth rollins who he loves it he's like are you kidding me i get irish lass you know i get i get and there's the episode title i get irish lass You know, like that, like that's pretty much it, right? We can't. That's a that's the cleanest way we could say it. I get, <laughs> I get Irish lass. Now we gotta find a Seth Rollins picture. No, you know, so he's not gonna complain. But that's what I mean. You're gonna have people on both sides of the spectrum here. You know, and um, it's even funnier looking at it when I wrote it down. That's amazing. I get Irish lass, <laughs> but um. Yeah, speaking of opposing sides, uh, Roman Reigns spoke to ESPN recently. He did a written interview here, and he spoke about what John Moxley said in his promo. And uh, what he basically quoted saying uh, that he said, I'll tell you straight up, I disagree with what Dean Ambrose said about the creative process. I love the guy. I love him to death. He's my brother. And wrestling ain't going to stop that. On a personal level, me and that dude can hang out, have a beer or two, and just talk. And even when we talk, and even when we don't talk, that's just our relationship. When it comes down to it, creative-wise, that's on you. Communication is communication. When you go in there and you talk to the boss, you got to let him know. He even made comments about things I had to say, but that was in a different place. I was brand new. We've worked our asses off for Vince McMahon and this company, and he respects that, and he wants to know our opinions. You have to speak up for yourself. I'm in a position where he listens to everything I have to say, what I'm feeling. Early on when you don't have any equity... When you haven't put in any time, you should do what the boss says. But once you earn that equity, once you got the keys to the car, which Ambrose was clearly in that position because all three of us were, you have to speak up for yourself and do what's right for you. Regardless, I love the dude, man. We came from the bottom and we got to where we are now. And he's a huge part of that. No type of business rivalry or any of that crap will ever affect the personal relationship I have with either Seth or Dean. We're all going to do our thing. We're having fun. I'm enjoying where I'm at. I'm, I'm enjoying being with wwe i'll never be anywhere else so that's a completely different view that's what i'm talking about you know what i mean of course i mean what what we have to complain about like absolutely nothing so why would he go be like oh yeah moxley was totally right to create a like no he, yeah. he's on the cover of the game you're not gonna hear him complain yeah I, I mean the people who do well it's like any other career or job the people who do well seem to complain less to people who don't 
that doesn't mean that the people who don't don't have valid points or valid arguments. I mean, we can clearly see from here that not everything's going good. But I'm just saying that there are cases where things go good. At the end of the day, it really sounds like in WWE, if you're the cream that rises to the top, then you're going to have a good life. If you're exactly like George just said, he's a top guy. That's why the top guys are going to have a good life, but the mid card guys are not. And I think that's the, the, the disconnect right there. That's where the imbalance is. The top guys should have great lives and the mid-card lives guys should have good lives. Not the top guys should have good lives and the mid-card should have shit lives. And, uh, you know, when you look at it, these guys that have the tour buses and stuff, you know, that they basically live in a place. You saw CM Punk's tour bus. He had his own freaking king-size bed. He had a room for like six guests, two bathrooms, video game system, kitchen. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like you got to think about the fact that this man is wrestling and then walking into that afterwards. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not on ride along. There would have been no ride along back then because the guy is not riding along with anybody. He's riding, his ride along will be inside of a giant, what looks like an apartment. You know? I'm so sure like the only reason they did ride along when the shield did it was just for the bit. Like, Orton does it, you know? Has Orton ever been on ride along? No. No, because he's on, he's in the damn giant tractor trailer or whatever the hell those things are. You know what I mean? Same thing with a lot of these guys, big shows. You ever been on a ride along? These guys, they go from their matches. Oh, he has? Yeah, sometimes I, I've noticed with certain top guys. Like, I mean, with the with the Romans and the Brandys, obviously they're going for the tour bus because I mean it's freaking great. But some of the top guys, like the big shows, even the New Day, who have done I think two of them, I want to say, um, guys like that, you see them do it just because it almost they enjoy the company. I guess sometimes it's not like it's just necessarily about yeah. the glitz and the glamour from them; they just have fun with it, but. Right. Well, that's how it works with um, a lot of the older guys. Sometimes being part of wrestling is about being part of that locker room, you know, being part of that community. That's what they love. But what I'm saying is that they have that option. There are people who have no choice, even when they feel like crap. But to go to Monday Night Raw, wrestle, leave, shower in the locker room with everybody else, get dressed, get in their little rental car and then drive six hours to the next place at times. You know what I mean? That sucks. Then when you it's nice to have the option to be able to wrestle and then go shower in your trailer. And then go curl up in bed with a good book and catch the last episode of Walking Dead, you know, and maybe microwave something. And if you're certain right people up, out there, get some Irish last. You know, these guys can be back quicker than the fans that are at the thing. A lot of those guys. So the top guys have luxuries. And then they do get to walk into them and speak to Vince and, and speak their mind and have opinions about stuff. So it's easy to be a top guy. It's really easy. It's not easy to be a guy who was probably meant to be a mid-carder who got to the top. But it's hard to get there, and I guess that's why they call it paying your dues. But it's just because it seems like the road has just become a lot more difficult. Yeah, because, I mean, to say that I guess almost like the way you almost put it off is like a guy who hasn't necessarily earned it should just do what Vince saying. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, Dean pretty much freaking earned it. <laughs> The guy only killed himself for years on end. Like it, he, he definitely did what Vince said a lot. <laughs> you know? Sometimes the way he shouldn't have. So, like, yeah. that's a guy who earned the right to be able to be like, hey, this is what I want to do. Let's do this. Yeah, pretty much. So next up in our story is we have SmackDown, who have decided to put their 20th anniversary on Fox. Their debut on Fox October 4th is going to be the 20th anniversary of SmackDown. Quite a big stage. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, unless they get killed. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's that would be some shit. You know, unless they get killed. Let's not forget that they're they're in a vulnerable spot right now. 
things aren't looking great for them. A lot of things are going to be changing at once, and they're not even able to handle the weight of their own changes currently. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. Um, but yeah, we're, from what we're hearing, they said superstars past and present will be on hand at the Staples Center to celebrate this occasion, including Kurt Angle, Lita, Mick Foley, Booker T, Hulk Hogan, Trish Stratus, Goldberg, Jerry the King Lawler, Mark Henry, Ric Flair, and Sting. A man called Sting. And you go see that the guy from WCW you bring back. Yeah. <laughs> Better in the Staples Center than in Toronto! Yay! <laughs> Is this going to be like that Great Balls of Fire drop? Like after this week it's just gone. Like every time we have to bring up Toronto! Oh, we gotta start talking about impact more. That's gonna be a drop. Holy crap! Oh boy. So, uh, yeah, they're gonna be doing the 20th anniversary at the Staples Center. Um, according to Brad Shepard from Oh You Didn't Know, he said that uh, he had a conversation with high level WWE source about superstars that speak up publicly about politics, and he was told that there's gonna be strict rules against speaking publicly against any president or politician in general, and that Fox, uh isn't going to make that rule any looser. They're going to tighten it, if anything. So you're really not allowed to publicly have political views if you're associated with Fox. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think everyone should no longer be allowed to have political views. If you're on NBC, Fox, ABC, CBS, if you're just listening to this right now from your couch and unemployed, if you're at work listening to this, if you're driving, I think everyone should just shut up about their political views collectively. I think we exactly. should all agree it's, to just shut up. It's not changing anything. It's not fixing anything. It's just not talking about something way more interesting. So when Fox says, you know, when we hear that Fox is going to restrict them talking about their political views, I don't have an issue with that. Exactly. Okay. I, I, I'm here to watch you wrestle, not give a shit what your political views are. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm completely cool with this. I don't want to hear people talking about stuff like that. I don't think that that's the, that this should be the rest of it anymore that I think that Gillette should uh, be telling people what to do because that whole Gillette thing was stupid also. Exactly. Stay in your lane. Like, especially, stay in lane, especially when you ain't going to do shit to fix whatever you're bitching about. Yeah. So they're not going to be sharing any political views. I actually like that idea. I want to follow it on here as well. I've, I've been literally at one point or another, and I promise not to get too political, but I've been accused and you guys have seen in the chat, people have come and said, oh, he's a Trump lover, Republican, blah, blah, blah. I've never in my life been political or taken any any stances or anything like that, despite rumors that you guys have heard, just to clear the air here. I just get really annoyed currently in politics by a lot of the stuff, just coincidentally, that I hear more from leftists. A lot of SJW stuff, a lot of a lot of crying and whining, a lot of identifying as this and identifying as that. I don't I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. You know, and I find us and and, and like I it annoys me, you know. I get annoyed when I hear constant complaining. I hear bitching from the left. That doesn't mean that I'm pro-Trump or right or any of that. I'm nothing. But I I just don't... I, I hate the bitching that I'm hearing. That's what makes me just like to mess with them a little bit. You, you know, they, uh, like when I hear, when I hear people complaining constantly, you know, that's what makes me 
Let me set it up. Want to tell them. The wall just got 10 feet higher. That's the reason for that drop. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't, I'm not taking any stance here. I'm not pro anybody, but I get so annoyed by everyone being angry all the time and having to share. They don't know a damn thing. They're not in politics. You could have people, you have people who sell shoes or just like, you know, freaking baggers in stores and they're on Twitter over here, like talking about the, these political agendas. It's like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and the thing that makes it so funny to me to always mess with them like that is just like you, I, I literally do not know. I, I more I know more about chemical fusion than I do about politics. Okay, just clear that up right now. And that's okay. And but you know but, what the thing is, there's too many. Imagine if that happened to us, dude. Like imagine if there was a podcast tomorrow that was an NBA podcast all the time, and then tomorrow they just started talking about wrestling. Without knowing, like now they're doing, so it would just be like, who do they think they like? They're not really involved in it. Like, what the hell are they doing? It's like if you're not actually doing anything about it, and social, and just posting on social media is not doing anything. Because if it did, it would have worked by now with the way some of you post. Yeah, if but your thing is wrestling, stick it, to wrestling. If your thing's game, stick to that games. If you're a politician, then tweet about politics. But I find it almost. How do you know if there, there, there's a word? You know, it it, it it's almost uh. I don't know what the hell the word is. almost have to make a word. It's patronizing is what it is. It's patronizing. I have regular people try to talk politics. Exactly. Like, like if you're not going to do anything about it, shut up. I mean, a a prime example with uh, the new 2K coming out, one of the things with my store, I'm the only wrestling fan there. I'm the only one who is knowledgeable about it. I didn't like that. So instead of just complaining about it, what did I do? I made everybody a little cheat sheet. So now everybody can sell on that game as well as I can. See, it's magical. I had a problem with something. I wanted it to be fixed. And magical Christmas, I did something about it. I didn't just yeah. bitch and whine and complain. Like That's all we hear on social media is just people bitching and whining and complaining, but not actually doing anything. It's kind of like, but the reason I consider patronized, because whenever I see somebody post about politics and they go, well, I have the right to, yeah, you have the right to do everything. You have the right to just stand on top of a rooftop in some countries and just wiggle your genitals around and nothing bad will happen to you. But people will just think you're an idiot. You know, that's the whole point that I'm making. Having the right to do something doesn't make it less stupid when you do it. Now, that being said, when I hear people complaining about politics and stuff, it's almost like they're saying that they're that, that they were good enough to have an opinion, but not good enough to actually be a part of anything. So then, why would I care about your opinion? I'd rather hear from yeah. people who were good enough to be a part of the thing that they're that they're uh, trying to resolve or whatever. You know, if I'm interested in politics, I'm going to listen. You know, maybe not to the bad politicians because they say all of them lie in one sense or another. But I'm going to try to go to a more credible source than someone who has nothing to do with. I'm not going to go to my baker. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go to like my my shoe salesman. You know, I'm not going to go to the Avon lady if there is still Avon and ask them about politics because there's Avon. You know what I mean? And that's the point that I'm making. If you were going to go train to be a wrestler, you would go to a wrestling school. You wouldn't go to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. You know right. what I mean? You would go to the right thing for the right thing. And that's just the point that I'm trying to make when you guys hear me trolling politics. It's not that I'm right wing or that I'm pro Trump or thing. It's that I find a lot of left wings and a lot, and a lot of uh, SJWs, they, they're very vocal about things that they really don't know that much about. And at the end of the day, if I was invested enough to go into any of these things, I'm going to pick somebody more credible than just a random person with an opinion. Exactly. I mean, you hear all these people always talking trash about Trump and this and that. Let's be real. I could care less about Trump, but I'm not going to talk shit about a man who is a lot more successful than I am. Trump could buy Trump could buy my house three times over. 
and that's the oh, point can... and, and that's the point that I made on here before that uh whether you like or hate certain people in certain positions, you have to give credit for the effort and the resilience that it takes for a lot of them to be able to sustain those those positions. Because it took a that, lot more effort to do that and you to freaking tweet. Yeah, but like I said, it just gets on my nerve when I see people. And of course, you could have an opinion about something every now and then. That doesn't mean you don't. But when it's people on a daily basis that are in it and they're not even involved in the thing, it's just strange. It's a weird And then on way top to of that, the second, the second um, you tell them anything different, all of a sudden, you're the one with the problem. But yet they want to throw the whole freedom of speech out there. That ain't no one-way street. Like We live in a country that almost rewards mental illness. And that's about as political as I'm going to get today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the poor point. WWE Superstar is not going to be able to get political anymore. Nope. So. You get in, you wrestle, you get out. <laughs> And uh, they're already going to be having issues because, uh, according to the Wrestling Observer, October 25th, uh, SmackDown's going to have an issue in regards to the fact that that is the World Series, I believe, right? Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the it's the air of the World Series on the 25th. Therefore, that's going to be one week where, where they might have to go to Fox Sports 1 instead of regular Fox. And as much as that might seem like a good alternative i assure you it is not there are way more people in the world that have fox than fox sports one fox is accessible to almost everyone fox sports one may not necessarily be i mean i know it's still accessible but it's different from cable to network television so already not even their first month there they're going to be facing the ramifications of being on a big station like fox you know and uh and it, it does sound like nxt is going to be moved off of the wwe network and uh, be be turned into a two-hour show on Fox Sports 1 every Wednesday between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., going directly against AEW. So, um, Kind of interesting to extend it to two hours. I've been saying for almost two years on here that they need to extend it to two hours. So the only thing would be, I, I definitely, I, I mean, uh, extra hour NXT, I won't complain. But what always made it, at least for me, entertaining the fact that it was an hour was that you knew you weren't necessarily going to see the same people all the time. Every now and then you were going to get some different people. They can keep that momentum going though. I don't think a second hour would, would you know, screw that up. Oh, I mean, it's definitely doable. So that's a big deal right there. They're going to have a two hour show. Unfortunately, if they're going to have a two hour show involved with Fox, that means that Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn are going to be more involved with NXT from now on. There's no way they're going to put something on network television and it's going to be like it was on the WWE network. Vince has an invested interest in things that are dealing with Fox. So you might start seeing more of the quality of production that you're seeing on the main roster on NXT, being that it would be something on network television in a sense or on cable television rather. So that means you're going to have Vincent Dunn's influence again. Well, that should be interesting. Well, that all depends. If you like the way Raw and SmackDown are, that's what it's basically saying. They're saying, look, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna take NXT and we're gonna put it on Fox, but we're gonna need people with experience running on big networks to run it from now on. So the people who run Raw and SmackDown are very likely to wind up becoming the people that run NXT. So cross your fingers that doesn't have any kind of bad mojo to it. Oh, God. So you say that then the first thing they have is Mojo Raw is gonna come back and become champion. No, I'm kidding. And uh, Vin, uh, uh, Triple H was had a teleconference uh, where he 
discussed some of the things that are happening in regards to AEW going up against NXT because that was originally the accusation that all uh, oh, NXT is basically in a position right now where they're trying to go up against AEW when they go off the air. And uh, he said that when it comes to NXT growing as a brand, there are more options on the table. You know, and I'll and I'll have to just say, contrary to what I've heard, I've heard that we're talking about putting them on FS1 and then people come in with counter-programming talk. We have content all over the place. And if people want to talk about counter-programming, bring that up in a conversation, then Wednesday has been the home of NXT forever, right? That's where it's at. It's been our, our network on Wednesday time slot now forever. And when other people announce a Wednesday, you don't hear about the counter-programming. You just hear about the announcement. For us, everything is counter-programming. It's this and it's that. And, you know, we plan things long in advance. We plan on doing our business, and that's what we worry about. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's basically saying, look, we've always had NXT on Wednesdays. What do you mean we're counter-programming them? They're counter-programming us. That's what he's more or less saying. Yeah, pretty much. Do you agree with that? He sort of is, right? Yeah, I mean, it pretty much it sounds like it. Like that sounds, yeah, he's pretty he's kind of hit the nail on the head, pretty much. Yeah, so you got to look at it that way. They they basically were, um, they were there first. You know, that was he's saying in a sort of nice way. Like we were, we were here way before uh, there was such a thing as AEW. We didn't put NXT there to try to fight against them. It, I think it might have encouraged them a little bit. Yeah, maybe gave them a reason, but but yeah. I'm not sure exactly um, what what the validity of that is. We'll have to see going forward. Down the yeah. But um, we're also hearing that they're using a new strategy in regards to television tapings. They're going to only sell tickets to the lower level of the arena where the hard camera is. They're going to sell all the tickets there. And then when those tickets sell out, then they'll release the tickets for the rest of the place. That way, no matter what, it'll look good on TV because the only tickets you can buy, if you want first come first serve tickets for Raw Smackdown or a pay-per-view, you're only going to be able to get those tickets that are on camera until they sell out. Yeah, visually, that's actually a pretty good idea because how often are you really thinking about what's going on beyond our camera? Yeah, smart way to fill up the seats and never have to make it look empty, but it just goes to show how little there is as far as uh, people having interest in seeing the brand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true that. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, the ticket prices, for example, when it comes to Toronto, aside from the SummerSlam, everything's been really low there. They had uh, the lowest SummerSlam tickets were $95. Uh, The Raw tickets at the lowest were $11. SmackDown was $9 at the lowest. You know, and NXT tickets were $7. And uh, they're not even selling at that price. There was still a lot of them available as of a few days ago. So even where price is low and even with all of these little things, it's it's not helping to move things too much, you know. Yeah, I mean you can own you can lower a price as much as you want. If nobody's gonna be impressed with what they see, why would they bother spending the money? Mm-hmm. So again, we'll have to see what happens with that. But in other news, WWE has been complaining, well the fans rather have been complaining about the new WWE network. A lot of people had issues during SummerSlam being able to watch the event, being able to enjoy the pay-per-view without there being lag or buffering or anything crazy happening. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I caught a couple of different cases more during the pre-show than anything where, like, the screen would lock for a second and then kind of skip forward 
almost like it kind of buffered. I definitely see like some of the issues there. So it mainly happens with um the live feed. But yeah, I think I see it. Yeah, and, it, uh, it didn't bother me as much though, because it, it would only be brief, but it was enough to where it's like, ooh, well, it's. I have issues that I didn't have before. That's for sure. I can say. Yeah. Oh, oh most definitely. Like it, it used to run. It used to run a lot better, and I was getting. And I'm talking. I, I have several devices. I have my Xbox One X. I have my smart TV itself that has the built-in app. I have my Fire TV that has the app. You know, and on all three switching, I was getting the same issue. So it's not really a source thing, and my. My internet is definitely fast enough for their little network. So, yeah, um, like I used to always watch the network on my Fire TV, but I've noticed it's it it is it seems to start acting up on the Fire TV. I switched over to the Xbox, and same issues. So I'm just like, yeah, it, it's something with those servers that's acted up. Yeah, I wound up just settling on the Fire TV over a smart TV just because uh, it seemed to be the smoothest. But yeah, that kind of annoys me when uh. The fact that if, and I said this before, if you're going to start a new service, you're going to jump your network over to a completely new service. Don't do it before a big pay-per-view. They should have waited until right after this and then jumped everything over. Exactly. Because all you're doing is just inconveniencing the people who want to see this big event. Yeah. And that to me is a really, really big problem. Also, now we're hearing that they don't let fans share accounts, which I always thought that was the case. But yeah, you can't share your account with another person. Um, apparently... They said that it'll say that you reached your network login limit when you try to put on an additional screen within the same household. So um, for the last five years, apparently fans have been able to both share the WWE network. I, 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 I thought that it was always a maximum of two people. And then beyond that, I personally have never been stopped. And I mean, I don't share my account. However, there have been cases where I've stepped out of the room while the network's on. And I've accessed it on my phone, you know, like in, like I'll be in the kitchen or somewhere else and I, I just access it as I'm moving around and it still goes. And the one that's on my big screen still goes. So I don't know if there's a limit after two or if now you can't do that anymore. I'd have to test it out. But I've had it running on multiple screens or I might have it, for example, I could have it running on the Fire TV and then I jump over to the Smart TV and then afterwards I stop it on the Fire TV when I get there. So, I mean... I'm not sure what they mean by not being able to have more than one because I, I have maybe not consistently had them both running, but if I'm transferring from one device to another for a brief moment, I have. But if anybody's had any other issues, you're going to have to let me know uh, exactly what they changed because I haven't really seen anything change too much. Yeah. You know, but yeah, don't share accounts. This ain't Netflix. Right. <laughs> Get your own. Mm-hmm. So Brad Shepard has reported that there are superstars that Vince McMahon does not like. He dislikes these superstars. He says he doesn't like the Viking Raiders. He doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like Ruby Riot or Sarah Logan and he doesn't like the Lucha House Party. The Sarah Logan one doesn't surprise me at all because what I find funny, just cause I got curious one day, cause we mentioned, um, when Sarah Logan came out, she had, came out on, I think it was Raw, she had the Riot Squad music. She actually has her own separate music because when she and Dana Brooke had a rematch on main event, she used it. So they literally were just lazy. It was just like, oh, just throw the Riot Squad music there. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, the Sarah Logan one, I've seen examples that we, we I saw an, a plain example that proves they don't like her, which I don't get the concept of that. Like, these people are here to make you money. Like, what's not like, like we, we do not like her pants. Like, do her boots bother you? Like, what the 
And, and funny thing is, I've, I've seen videos of, like, Sarah Logan outside the ring. That is one of the nicest people in the world. She's funnier than all hell, so I don't see what Vince doesn't like. Yeah, he's just a meanie. Same thing with Ember Moon. Like, the girl's talented. Like, are you, are you yeah, because like? he, on another day, we report on here that he didn't like Ember Moon, right? Yeah, that's, that's why we went to SummerSlam. Just like, well, hope it's at least a good match. Because <laughs> everybody knew everybody knew she wasn't winning that. Speaking of the Riot Squad, have you seen those Live Your Life challenges? I haven't, but I've heard about them. It's um, Liv Morgan and Lacey Evans just uh, basically daring each other to do really crazy shit. Which that frightens me because Liv Morgan might be one of the most daring people I've seen like that. Yeah, I'm going to let you see this here. What's up, everybody? Today I'm feeling great, so I decided I'm going to do a new thing called the Live Your Life Challenge. Well, I'm just going to challenge you guys to live your life. Lacey, I bet you won't live your life. What do you mean I am living my life? Oh, yeah? Go jump in that water. Right now. Right now. Live your life. Right now. Right now. Dare you. Live your life. <laughs> live your life. Stop. That is nuts. <laughs> it just sounds like chaos and mayhem. Live your life. Go jump in the water. <laughs> Can that be the episode title too? Live your life? No, Liv already took it. Yeah, sure. Uh, you, you know what, Liv? I'll, tra- I'll trade it to you for Jolly Ranchers. I know how you like Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, Lacey Evans looks like a completely different person when she's... Uh, not watching, uh, yeah. Not watching. <laughs> Not living in the uh, not in the gimmick that they are, that they assigned to her. Yeah. Oh God, George says he wet her life. Oh well. <laughs> Is that it? Oh no. <laughs> she wet her life. <laughs> All I gotta do is tab over to the notepad. I'll do it. <laughs> There's another one here where uh. She, um, Lacey Evans has her, she dares her to live her life by stealing the, a title belt that a fan has. Oh my God. Yeah, I know, right? Hey, Liv. Bet you won't live your life. <laughs> I won't live my life. <laughs> See that title in the chair over there? Grab it. Take off running. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> take it and take up running. <laughs> Go. Oh, I'm scared. You think they're going to be mad? They can't be mad. I'm live. They I'm can't possibly run that fast. Go. Bet you won't. I'd take the glasses off. <clears throat> you got a lot of running to do, and I'm not chasing after you. <laughs> I, I would if I were you. Don't say anything. Just grab it and go. Yeah. Who cares? Grab it and go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yo. That was great. Live your life. Liv Morgan robbed me of my title. <laughs> oh, my God. I like how she said, don't say anything. Just grab it and go. Just grab it and go, and then she just went. You hear last thing he goes, "Hey!" 
I, I wish I could read what that guy sang. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried. <laughs> she just fucking grabbed it. I almost want to see what happened after. <laughs> yeah, right? I hate when videos end just when the good stuff's about to happen. Like, what was the reaction after that? You know, because then she had to give it back. Like, 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 like did, did the guy, did, did the guy's girlfriend just come around the corner and just fucking, like, <laughs> wow, I mean, they, Mark said, live your life, walk out with that TV in Walmart. You know, no, don't be careful, man. There was, don't forget, there was a point where Tennille Dash would live her life. <laughs> you know? He'll be, he'll be tagged. Uh-oh, she made her sing as a live her life. You ready oh, for that one? scared the shit out of me. I didn't know what happened. Yeah, now she made her live her life. Yeah. I like that song you're playing. I'd like to hear it from your mouth, like, very loudly. <laughs> and every night and day, spread my wings and fly away. Keep going. I believe I can soar. See me run into that open door. I believe I can fly. <laughs> and he wants me to shut up. Yo, she, 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 that, that, that high note, Lacey. No, no, Booba. <laughs> <laughs> Your vocal cords were not happening. I like how you, you said, I'm the lesson of that video, ladies and gentlemen, know your limits. Your voice only has so much range. Do not try to exceed it. This is not ultra instinct. They're going to keep raising the stakes as much as possible until there's no more stakes to raise. And then they're going to wind up tagging with the Neil Dash with an impact. <laughs> <laughs> she went from iPhone to impact into the business. I wait, 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 no, was iPad. iPad to impact. Is that another one? <laughs> oh, boy, I hope not. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, so, that was great. He said, Mark said, well, we see one female who supports our guest. <laughs> All right, last last one of these live your life things. Let's move on to an actual freaking story here. Hey, Liv. You want to live your life? Sir? I dare you to live your life. Climb up there and do three pull-ups. I don't know if I can do that. Well, try. <laughs> Get to climbing. Oh. Lord, look at her. Come on, let's go. Three. Let's go. How far is this shit going to go, right? One. Right. <laughs> she she Two. can jump up there, man. The girls are nuts. The next thing you know, all you hear is do, 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 And that's a wrap. Live your life. Yeah, hey, George, you got that cake. No, I'm playing Let me stop. Let me man, stop. I, I know people on iTunes will be pissed off if we don't uh, get these out there. So here you go. If you're listening on iTunes, we're going to send the links onto our social media through the brunch bot here. He tweets for us. Yeah. Brunch bot be putting in work, man. He's the unannounced third seat. It's wonderful. Even, even, even brunch bot was even brunch bot was part of the party last night. Yeah. Brunch bot had fun too. Like was... There you go. There's all the tweets. Oh man. I wasn't even planning on bring I just had that on the side there, but since we were talking about the <laughs> and everything, I was like, may as well talk about how crazy these girls have gotten. You know. I, I got to watch Liv Morgan steals on random person's belt. Person's belt, worth it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we got to talk about people who Vince McMahon doesn't like. 
Yeah, which is pretty easy to pick them out some days. Yeah, absolutely. So we should talk a little bit about AEW. There's been some interesting developments with AEW. As much as they were saying that it wasn't going to be a WCW, we're hearing otherwise. Like Tony Khan has actually literally said otherwise in regards to the brand. And uh, let's see what we got here. He uh, he spoke to Pro Wrestling Sheet, and uh, he basically said that uh, in terms of putting the shows out there for free, uh, they took a bath financially on that, and he took a big hit and he was willing to do it as a company because he believed in the brand of wrestling and there hasn't been a legitimate other company besides WWE presenting weekly high quality wrestling and never before with HD available. And uh, he said the revenue streams are going to be huge once, once the weekly AEW and TNT shows premiere on October 2nd. So I hope he's right. This will probably be the last chance anybody gets to do anything like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're hearing that they also want to trademark, trademark AEW Revolution. We're not sure exactly what it is that they want to use it, how it is that they want to use it, uh, what's it, what it's going to entail or anything like that. But they do want to trademark it. So you have that if, to look forward to in the future. If, if, I, if I could guess, it almost might be maybe the first big pay-per-view after All Out. Possibly. Because, I mean, that's kind of how NXT did it with their takeovers. One of their early ones was literally called Our Evolution. Yeah. Well, they're fortifying the troops. They actually just hired someone. You might remember her. Rebel. Good old Rebel. Yep. Former member of the Menagerie and the Telehouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, she, well, apparently she was already doing the hair and makeup for the women. You know, she's going to be, uh, I, I guess that's going to be what she's continuing to do. Oh, hey, I wouldn't have a complaint with it. She's good. So. Yeah, it's very interesting that they're not using her in an in-ring capacity. I thought they were until I read this. I mean, but then again, I guess if she's already shown she can be good at it, she's already locked herself in a spot, so. Yeah, I guess. Huh. We'll have to see exactly what happens. Yeah. And also, I don't know how big of a fan you are of the guy, but they've also hired Orange Cassidy. He's on the contract now, right? Orange Cassidy. Oh, that fucking, fucking yeah. hands the- in his pockets doing suicide dives and shit. The Orange Cassidy. That's the guy that uh that sort of doesn't like his gimmick because he doesn't look like he put much effort into wrestling. <laughs> yeah, is that who he and was? Fucking, and what was it? What was it? Double or nothing? It was like double or are all in. When he just did like the half-ass kick on Tommy Dreamer with his hands in his pockets. That's such a weird gimmick, right? Like I will really say, I saw a clip of him and it impressed the hell out of me. I've literally seen him do a suicide dive just like that, hands in pockets. Yeah. That is fearless, okay? Unbelievable. Well, here is the video announcement of him. Yes. Yo, I don't know if you understand. When he puts the juice up, I leaned in closer like there's no fucking way he's about to drink orange juice and contract. 
<laughs> Holy crap, Mark, that one, that orange juice and contract. Yep, there you go. There is oh, that you and then you just have, you just have the clip <laughs> of, of, the, of the sunglasses in the, oh my god. Orange juice and contract. You know what? I was never, I wasn't exactly a great fan of him before, but that was funny. <laughs> Like that genuinely made me laugh. <laughs> I love to see. You. <laughs> oh my god, that was awesome! There it is, orange juice and contract. <laughs> Where did he come from? I don't remember seeing him anywhere before that. You know, I'd never seen him before. All in, and I was just like, "Why is his hand still in his pockets?" Oh my god! Oh, that so was strange. funny. Oh shit! <laughs> that is so genuinely strange, I, and I can't say I dislike it though. You know, like, right? that's, a, that's what a company's like, supposed like, to like do, the right? The goal was to entertain. That was entertaining, yeah, and the music funny. did no favors to me. <laughs> I, I still hear it. It's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was that fucking unique that I still hear it. Unbelievable, man! That was great. Okay, this guy has me sold. I'm a fan. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That oh, is some Jesus. weird stuff. Ah, they, it's funny because they were saying, oh, you know, we're going to hire everybody. You know, we need to, uh, we need to, uh, have different, different people here or whatever, or not always have, uh, you know, not, not take everyone off of the indies and not be able to bloat our roster. But it's like the roster seems pretty damn bloated to me, guys. Yeah, I guess when they said everybody, they didn't just mean a little bit, though. No, clearly exactly. not. I don't know what their deal was, man. But, um, I mean, so far they seem to be managing it good because they did talk about how in the, in the Chris Van Vliet, uh, one that we linked to a couple of weeks ago, if you guys went back and listened to the whole thing, they elaborated on how they think having somebody off of TV two, three weeks is okay to rotate talent in and out. You know, they don't think that everything needs to be, uh, you know, having the people on week in and week out, you know, which I, which I do agree with that view. You know. And that's that's a lot easier with a larger roster. You have more people you can kind of switch out. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so I guess if they're going along with that line, it works perfect. Yeah, it definitely does. All right, well, what are we going to do next here? Oh, I know. I got a flow. You got a what? I got a flow. I got a flow. You got a flow. So let it go. Yeah. Brother. Hogan. What is that thing next? To- oh, that's Linda. Linda. I thought somebody put a life-size shrinking dick in the microwave. I know what happened. Linda went on social media, and uh, she had a grievance with the word poontang. She's quoted as saying, interesting. My ex used to call me this before internet. I thought he was calling me pudding thing and thought it was sweet. But thanks to the internet, now I know. It's just a nickname he used for many women. I was one of my, I was one of many my whole married life. Hashtag woke. First of all, where the fuck this bitch come from? I like that she just now today learned what Poontang <laughs> is, and I'm 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 even more shocked that she now re- doesn't realize that that's what you know. I'm not even gonna get into it right now. Fuck it, we might as well. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Have Linda tweet? She must know that she has that money because of her Poontang, right? She just she didn't know what the word was. <laughs> she, she, she's just dumb. She's just, oh, I love that at the God. end of I now know what Poontang is. He put hashtag woke. 
hashtag that is woke what on terminology before. from over a decade ago. Oh my god! Hashtag woke. Dial my dial up. Hashtag woke. <laughs> you dumbass. Finally upgraded from a PS1 to a PS2. Hashtag woke. Hashtag. That is incredible. <laughs> what is wrong with this woman, man? And you're right. Where the hell did she come from? Just out of nowhere? It was Dude, just like, hey. I haven't heard. I haven't thought about her. This whole time <laughs> she's been in on like Google. In like a solid year. That whole, this whole time she's been on Google looking that up. Oh, my God. Like, how? And, and that's, it, it makes it, it makes it laugh. It makes me laugh even more because it's like, you got two kids that probably know what Poo-Tang was and nobody told you. You know why? Because it's common sense in 2019. What's more, what? <laughs> what's more impressive is that Hogan used to call her his An poon, internal his poon affairs tank. investigation oh, wait, 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 wait. is underway into a Chicago police officer and his supervisors for a ride given to former pro wrestler Hulk Hogan. We got the did you hear about this? I did. <laughs> I misfired it early, but that's the next thing that I was going to on our Hulkster flow yeah. here. Is uh, yeah, apparently he got some cops in trouble. White ones, you know? so it goes to show. <laughs> oh, you to throw that in there. <laughs> it goes to, it just goes to show that the guy is not as much as people try to say he's racist. He's equal opportunity at screwing you over. All I'm saying is, and I only get into it briefly. I've noticed everybody who says he's racist has not actually dealt with racism. Yeah, we've said it before, but let's see. What wait, the, wait, I, wait. I actually haven't even seen what the hell this thing's going to be. Oh, God. investigation is underway into a Chicago police officer and his supervisors for a ride given to former pro wrestler Hulk Hogan. We got the live. Here we go. Uber's got a siren. In video posted on his Facebook page, August second, Hogan is seen in the front seat of a squad riding across the tarmac at O'Hare Airport. Around that same time, Hogan was scheduled to sign autographs at a sports convention in Rosemont. A Chicago police spokesperson said the escort was not authorized. In a statement, he added, we are in the process of revoking credentials for the officer to operate a vehicle on airport grounds pending the investigation. Hogan got people in trouble. Oh, good. Now the white folk will show up. Hey, he betrayed us. No, 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 boo boo, no. But <laughs> I just love how he goes. You never, I, I don't know what you call it. He didn't even say siren. He says siren. Yeah. What the fuck is a siren? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna call Hogan. you whole whole game. Like what? Freaking <laughs> Hogan. <laughs> that's that's my quote of the episode. My Uber's got a siren. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> So, by the way, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but Squire said in the chat room, which was funny, he said that uh, that when they showed the recap of the attempted murder on Roman Reigns where the stage fell or whatever that nonsense was, he said that that's the first time that he saw it. And then it looked like the bunk beds from uh, Step Brothers when, <laughs> when the bunk bed fell in Step Brothers. <laughs> Which that's that's messed up to shit on their production value to that extent, but it doesn't end there, because uh, apparently we've learned that there's even more stuff that was wrong. I don't even know how this went over our head, but did you know that when the car hit Roman's car and it cuts to commercial break and it comes back and Samoa Joe screaming for help and stuff, the car that Roman's in is in perfect condition again. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, so the car gets hit. And then it goes to commercial. When it comes back, Samojo's concerned. It's a different car. What if we did respawn? (laughs) (laughs) 
Did, like, he, did he restart a checkpoint? Or? Only WWE could botch a broken car. All you have so to do so, is... So, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Roman botched a movie. And WWE botched a car. They botched a broken car. <laughs> the car is okay again after commercial. And then the best part is, in case you missed it the first time, think about how many times they showed that clip throughout the night. Oh my you God. keep seeing the car respawn. What <laughs> <laughs> oh, the this Monday night burnout? Like they're ruining everything with this Roman angle. I mean, and God, the thing—the thing with the backstage was just what what made it so funny was, and I think you probably caught it when they flipped slightly to those steel trusses falling down. Roman was already on the ground and in position. Yeah. It's like oh, a no. split second. What do you mean? I, you don't know if we caught this. I mean, he was blatantly laying on the ground. <laughs> of course, you caught this. <laughs> leg across the floor it, i can't believe that they have the, the nerve to turn their nose up on anyone on anyone with the way it that they so, do their stuff it, it, and i swear my favorite part of that thing with the steel trust was just the fact that it's like first of all they they, they they said it way too early the thing wasn't even in frame yet and then you saw it stop and then fall not fall just stop then fall it was like those fail videos we watch off the air where somebody tries to save it at the last second and it just goes yeah, down. It doesn't slow. work like, anyway. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Oh, man, this company, dude. I you swear. the sad part about it is there's a new Botchamania out. I think it's 392. If they got a hold of that in time, oh, baby Jesus. Oh, you bet your ass is going to be up there. Matthew right. is going to run. We, we saw with the Batista thing with the, oh, forget Matthew will run wild in just one episode on one bit, and it'll never stop being funny. Oh, oh. boy. I can't get over <laughs> the fucking that. car respawn. I'm so mad <laughs> that I never noticed that. And it takes, you know how little, you know how little fucks you have to give? for a car to respawn in your production because you had to change out the car and then not think about the fact that the new one wasn't damaged. <laughs> they couldn't get a pre-ding car? It's a vehicle. Like, if we were doing a bit where a couch gets destroyed, it would be a lot of effort to switch couches without us having to think about that. Imagine a vehicle. You know what I mean? It's almost it's, it's almost one of those things that you just... It's inignorable. I can't see it now. I can't wait to see that clip pop up again. I can't wait. Because I'm going to look right at that spot and be like, yep, there it is. You know, it's a really unusual storyline to have all these people get together and attempt to murder Roman's career. Because that's what it looks like they're doing. They're not going to murder Roman. They're going to murder the poor man's career. Because so far, every single time they try to kill him, what they do is they kill the segment. <laughs> you notice that? <laughs> like, I can't, I don't know what's worse, a responding car or the one you talk about. Because to me, that one looks really bad where he's just laying there like that and the thing. Dude, <laughs> it was, you know what, you know what it is? I feel like the first one was worse because you could, if you're not looking directly at the spot, you can miss the new car. You can't avoid that man lying down before the trusses even start to fall. That's so stupid. It it was so bad. Keep in mind, when that shit happened that first night, I wasn't even fully paying attention and I caught it. The first I was I, I, I was already in the pro in the process of getting my setup plugged up and turned on and everything. The first season of Power Rangers has better effects than that shit. Oh no. <laughs> when the when, when 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 the fucking megazord and everything used to roll fast and shit and you could tell clearly it was a person that's <laughs> Oh, 
Fucking these guys, man. And that's the, that's their that's their famous production. Fucking Lucha Underground did a better job of killing people off backstage than that. Oh boy, God help this company when they go to Fox. You you don't swap the car at Fox. All right. So, according to Brad Shepard, we are hearing that there is a possibility that Rusev and Lana may not resign with WWE. They're weighing their options currently. Yeah, at this point, we might as well just say they're not resigning because, like, what are they going to come back to? I mean, they left them off of most of the big cards. They shouldn't resign. Exactly. They have no reason. Rusev should go somewhere else and be good. Yeah. Because we've seen how good the guy can be. Like, they let him go over John Cena in his first year. (laughs) And the big show. And Mark Henry. Like, that that dude has serious talent. So it's like... What the last two years is just what, what the last year and a half has just been him in gimmicks that weren't meant to get over. Like I'm pretty sure half the reason he's in the shit in the shit he is now is one he cut his hair and two he got Rusev Day over because Rusev Day there was no way that was meant to get over. Yeah, it clearly wasn't. But it, stuff like that always gets over. Head cheese got over. <laughs> and look where Steve Blackman won up after that. <laughs> we live in they a strange just- world, man. Even head cheese. It's this annoying concept where it's like if they give you something that's not meant to get you over and you get over, they get pissed. If I give you something that is meant to suck and you make it work, I'm excited to give you stuff that I know can work. (laughs) Because that means it's going to come out 10 times better than I expected. Pretty much. Go somewhere else and be good, dude. Don't waste your time here anymore. Yeah, no, just don't do it to yourself. It's not worth it. Even Lana, like... Lana still to this day isn't that good of a wrestler, but it's because like they gave her a little bit of of Ray and Ray of Sunshine with that few with Naomi, and then just yeah, which yeah, that's another unfortunate thing. You know, why do they keep doing that to people? You know, you don't give them anything, and when you give them something, it's like you take it away real quick. Like Lana could, Lana did really good in her first couple of matches, so they should have kept that going instead of. Now she what like I think the last time she actually wrestled was what freaking that one spot in WrestleMania where she was a heel for no reason, mm-hmm. just to get the elimination pop. Like that girl could have been so much better than that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the funny thing is, it's not even necessarily go straight to AEW. It's just go anywhere else. Well, here's hoping that they do something, and I think they will. I think they'll be okay no matter where they go. For sure. All right. Well. We didn't get to talk about a Saturday. It is now time to talk about NXT TakeOver. Toronto! Yay! I don't know why I didn't see that coming sooner. (laughs) 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 You gotta save that one for every time they go to Canada. I don't care where it is. Just wherever it is. If it's Montreal, if it's Edmonton, Alberta, it's automatically Toronto! Yay! Oh, God. All right, well... NXT TakeOver came to you. I thought you were going to do it again. <laughs> came to you from Toronto! Yay! <laughs> I wish it would stop being funny, but it won't. <laughs> First match of the night, I believe, was the NXT Tag Team title match, correct? Street Profits, yep. Angela Dawkins, and Montez Ford defending against the Undisputed Error, a.k.a. Red Dragon in Ring of Honor, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly. And the finish of this match after uh, Dawkins hits a spear on both Fish and O'Reilly, Montez Ford hits that massive frost splash, and the Street Profits retain. And 100% of you in this community voted for Red Dragon taking it. 
not the street profits. I guess that being on Monday Night Raw stuff fooled you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, good. crazy, crazy match. As usual for these teams, I mean, say what you want about the gimmick. When the bell rings, the street profits go to work. Yeah, no, they definitely don't. Montez Ford showed in a lot of cases, he likes to joke and he likes to be funny. But that dude was having like Kota Abushi exchanges with O'Reilly. Like they beat the shit out of each other in this match. Yeah, I did like the bonsai drop and double flapjacks. Uh, I thought that that was really solid. The chain wrestling between Daw- Dawkins and O'Reilly, it shows like, you know what, man? That guy's good. You know? Yeah, he's, God, I mean, so fast, too. Like it's, you can't, you can't just be kind of half pay attention when he's in a match. Like the dude is amazing. Yeah, he definitely is. I also love when Montez Ford, um, he was denied the people's elbow, but he nails <laughs> it. He, he winds up nailing the rock bottom instead. Yo, I that was a good they sequence. popped so hard for that. The second they realized he was going to do it, everybody stood up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really got said stuff. And of course, Red Dragon got their shit in. They did their, what's that spot called where it's like a, a DDT into that, almost that wheelbarrow German suplex. I don't know if Yeah, it's, it's something like, um, it's weird. It, it, it looks almost kind of like um, NXT UK Tag Team Champions, the Young Grizzle Veterans. It almost looks like their ticket to mayhem finisher into a German suplex. Right. Yeah, it also looked really good. And, um, you know, like I said, like, like you know, the fish with that exploder on Ford and then uh, Riley following it up with the top rope knee into the Achilles lock was really good. And then fish coming off the top. I thought that was really cool. Ford again has incredible uh, diving skills. The two, those two guys, they've grown on me. The Street Profits, you know, I gotta say. Uh, you know, what's so funny. Their 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 gimmick. What I like about their gimmick is it is meant for them to have fun. It's meant for them to have a good time and keep everybody entertained. But those guys get serious. And the one thing I mentioned, uh, I think, of the challenge during their entrance, and it's my favorite thing about them. And it became so prominent after they won the match. Those guys know how to make that whole crowd feel like they are a part of that entrance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like really it, when you're watching the street profits, you're not watching the street. You're virtually coming out there with them. They jump in the crowd. They jump in the crowd during their entrance. They jump in the crowd after. They do that at NXT all the time. So it really makes the it's one of the coolest things. And I wish more wrestlers did that, where you make the fans feel like they're truly a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. Like, like when they win, it doesn't matter who it is. They jump in the crowd and they celebrate. Not like we won; it's everybody won. Yeah, and the crowd, exactly. the crowd absolutely adores them. Yeah, it's an old school tactic, but definitely a resourceful one. And yeah. uh, it works. They have great crowd chemistry. They have great charisma. I thought it was Freaking really cool. Montez Ford. I don't know how that man jumped so high. <laughs> like, I think he did a frog splash once in that ladder match, and I think he jumped so high he was almost at level at the top of the ladder. Like that is a ridiculous vertical leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah. He, like I said, these guys have definitely proven themselves as far as uh, just how good they are and how entertaining they are. They're they're a full package. Hopefully WWE doesn't blow this one because we actually have good guys there. You know. Yeah, leave them down in NXT. Let them eat there. I guess. I mean, it's kind of funny to see. Montez still, even when they're on Raw like they were tonight, that's one of the other fun things about them. They just have fun. They um, they almost have it. It doesn't it doesn't feel as natural as a New Day, but I can see kind of that New Day camaraderie with those two, where it's just two guys just having a good time. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, was this team, they, were they friends before this? Do we know any of their backstory before this? Or is this just something that WWE That much, I'm not sure. I'm actually going to see if I can probably do some research on that. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, I mean, it seems like they were as well as they meshed together. But yeah. I mean, yeah, this team, this team has become something else. Like, mm-hmm. they, they are absolutely incredible. In fact, if my memory serves me correct, they're NXT's first ever African American tag champions. I don't recall any other ones before them. Yeah, you're probably probably right about that. Yeah, yeah, I can't well, think of any before them either. But yeah, overall good match. Really, really good stuff. Oh yeah, crazy opener. It's like I said, NXT takeovers turned their game on who can top can you top this? Mm-hmm. And then next we had a singles match, Candice LeRae going up against her friend Eel Shirai. Voting results coming in with eighty three percent of you for Eel Shirai, seventeen percent of you with Candice LeRae. Finish being uh basically Shirai, I guess essentially blacks out LeRae via Koji Clutch, right? Yeah, a rare appearance by the Koji Clutch. Which I haven't seen that move in a long time. What are your thoughts I, on, I, I, I on the I didn't realize uh, what it was until they mentioned it was a Koji clutch. And what are your thoughts overall on this match? This is the Candace I've been waiting for. <laughs> I always heard about this Candace, and damn it, this Candace came out. Like this was back and forth from start to finish. It was crazy. I mean, early on. Shirai hit that nasty suplex, I think, on the array on the announcer table. And just watching her kind of crumple off the side, I was like, oh, my God, that that move looked like it sucked so bad. Yeah, the suplex onto that table so early on into the match. And mm-hmm. um, and also Shirai's flapjack into that single leg basement dropkick was really solid. Yeah, she's, this mean streak that EO has is just, it, it's been something else, like. It's a it's a complete like yin and yang effect. Like it's the complete the absolute opposite of what her character was before. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, I like it. I like it really good. Her facial expressions, the way that she looks and stuff, and uh, I mean the the music, everything about it. It's, it's really well done, man. Has, I wonder if she's ever been a heel before this because she's really good at it. Right. <laughs> I I almost hope she hasn't. I really just hope that she's always had this there. And then they finally let it loose because, I mean, that girl sells me on just pissed off 24 seven. She looks like she she looks like she looks like she's pissed off in her dreams. It, oh, it was such a crazy. Um, I think one of my favorite things was when uh, Candace got caught in a cross face. And when like the look on EO's face, she looked like she wanted to see like where she didn't just want to tap like she wanted to tear her head off. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked. uh uh, Candace's brain buster, as well as her tilt the world into that octopus lock that she did. I tell you right now, the best thing she did all match long, a suicide dive tornado DDT. Yeah, the, the, that tope is <laughs> really good. Really, really good. It happens so, like, the level of timing you need to pull off a move like that is absolutely crazy. That was probably the spot of the match. And uh, I do definitely appreciate them exchanging snap Germans with each other. Yeah. And Candice LeRae had a very big moment being the first person, I think, in NXT to kick out of EO's moonsault. Because when she hit that moonsault, everybody thought it was done. Also, kudos to Shirai not laying really hard into that high angle German that she hit Candice with because she would have killed her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
that 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 was a death blow. There was one where she was coming high angle, and I think halfway through she realized she had to bring it down a little bit, you know. Which I mean, that's a definitely a huge credit to be able to adjust mid suplex like that. Yeah, I I also like the middle rope swinging neck breaker that Candice nailed. That was really solid. Um, that yeah. super Spanish fly that Io Shirai winds up hitting. Um, you know, they they absolutely crushed it. Yeah, and also Shirai countering Candice's backslide into that nasty backbreaker, and then the moonsault, like you talked about her kicking out of. Um, yeah, good stuff, really good. Yep. You know, no complaints of course, here. I, I'm hoping that um the Koji Clutch does become EO's second finisher because the last time I saw that move was back in TNA with Daniels, mm-hmm. and that's a complex looking move to hit. Like I've heard some people almost call it a reverse triangle choke, but no, it's a it's a different kind of beast, but. Yeah, it was cool to see that she had to go to something new. Yeah, absolutely. So next we had the NXT North American Triple Threat Match. Velveteen Dream defending against Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong with voting results coming in with Roderick Strong at 50%. Velveteen Dream 34%. Pete Dunne 16%. The finish being Dream hits the Dream Valley driver on Dunne and the Strong tries to whip him out of the way to capitalize, but Dream comes back with the flying elbow for the win. Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's like he was completely off camera and just Commodore 64 his way in. Just you forgot he was there and bang, there he is. And on top of that, even the biggest thing, he pinned done. He literally said screw pin and Roderick and went for the went for realistically the bigger challenge of the two. Whoever works the cameras in NXT does a better job than Kevin Dunn, because I have to say, maybe my memory served me incorrectly. But I don't recall ever seeing that with Kevin Dunn's camera work on Raw and SmackDown, that spot where, Never like, do. where like the camera's not focused on who's coming off the ropes. So literally from your view, you just suddenly see somebody come from off screen, boom, and they land so, like from the top rope. I've never seen that when he does his camera because he's all about zooming in and out real fast and shaking the cameras and shit. But I've never seen that spot until NXT where someone's doing a cover and they purposely don't show you the camera of the person jumping that way you're surprised and at the last second you just the last boom somebody the last just landed time, there you know the last time i ever saw that it was when jeff hardy won the wwe championship in 2008 when he hit that last swanton on edge and triple h got popped off him i haven't seen that spot in years and that's what made it so cool it's such a rare motion so to see it again it was just because i i forgot I, I forgot what dream was I didn't realize what dream was at all. And uh, Roderick hit that end of heartache. And then next thing you know, I just see dream just come out of the blue and steal the win. But this was a crazy match. And friggin' is Velveteen dream just ever going to run out of entrances? Because, <laughs> because every takeover, that's like half my excitement with his match is what he's going to do. Yeah, no, nah, that dude. Um, I mean, that's why he should be in the main roster because he has all of the performance etiquette for it. The problem is they're gonna have to let him just do his thing. I imagine they would, though. You know, I couldn't see why they didn't. I mean, the guy, the the, the guy, like he, he, it's it's incredible how over he is with that crowd. Yeah, I mean, he had what it was like. He came out. It was a a little bit of a tribute to the Mountie. And then breakdancers that represented the Toronto Raptors. So it's like, Jesus. <laughs> the Mountie thing threw me off. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on. I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, is the Mountie making it up? Is, is he the guest enforcer? Like, what the fuck? Like, what? 
Yeah, no, the Monty thing, I was just like, wait a minute. At first, I didn't even recognize the music. And the funny thing is, with Dunn's entrance, rare amount of excitement that I felt from Dunn, from Dunn um, coming back out to a takeover. Like, he, he looked a little more, usually he looks more stoic and intense. You can see a little bit more of excitement than anything else to finally be back in NXT in a takeover match of that. Yeah, no, you could. And, um, you know, he, he works really good in that environment, you know. It's definitely oh, yeah, something, a, you know, worth having for him. It's, I mean, this, the funny thing about it is Dunn, I've noticed he always works the best with the people who have no problem getting hit really hard. So it was like Christmas in this match because he got three guys who have no problem getting hit. I mean, one of my favorite things happened about midway through the match. Dunn always has this spot he does where it just turns into a slugfest. We literally had, I think a JR said it once, a Tuskegee bar on a payday Sunday. Everybody's swinging. <laughs> it was awesome. Like These three work together so well. I almost want to see them run it back. Yeah, run that back one more time, fellas. Let him go again. I don't care. I don't care who wins. Just let him go again. Yeah. Yeah, they really should. But uh yeah, there was a lot of throwing around in this match. Dunn's German um Dunn Germaning strong onto Dream. Um that weird spot where Roderick hits the Avalanche Olympic slam on Dunn and Dream just dives off the top into the ring. I don't know what happened there. There was a mistiming. Something yeah, something was a little bit funky at that moment. But I mean Dunn catching Dream with that flying arm bar. I swear to God, freaking Dunn's arm bars. I've seen him hit them from probably every conceivable place if you can. And I mean, like, was like him doing um his finger popping, but he actually doubles up and hits both of them at once. Uh, God, Dream uh getting the getting um the Canada pop with the sharpshooter. Just mm-hmm. a ton of stuff just went down in this match. It was ridiculous. Yeah, Roderick going for that Tiger Bomb, but then done transitioning that into the triangle. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, the strength of Roderick to be able to pick him up off of that triangle. Yeah, that was one hell of a thing. And then him powerbombing Dunn onto Dream and then putting both of them into the stronghold. The double finger snaps that freaking Dunn did. (laughs) One thing I noticed, a rare mistake by uh, Velveteen Dream, when Pete Dunn went for that moonsault to the outside, Dream had to rush into position. Because he was just a little bit farther back than he was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it sucks when that happens, you know? Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, it wasn't even like a thing where you could really call it much of a botch. It was just like, I guess he thought he was closer than he was. But he still managed to get there in time, just in the nick of time. But, yeah, I mean, one of the craziest things, I think, was, um, oh, God, that that coast-to-coast elbow drop by Velveteen Dream. Whoa. I saw him going for it, and I was like, there's no way he's going for that. Because um, Dunn had Strong locked in the triangle. And, and um, no, yeah, Dunn had Strong locked in the triangle, and Strong had backed up into the corner. So they're both sitting in this corner, and then here comes Velveteen Dream, just coast to coast, border to border, and he clipped Dunn. It, oh, my God, that was wild. Yeah. No, that, like I said, really incredible. Th- this whole thing. Um, it's great that they have these guys down here, and uh, overall, it was really cool. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, it was good to have Pete back in NXT. I mean, he carried NXT UK as far as he could. 
So, I mean, why not come back? And because the whole time he was in NXT, he was he always had his own belt, so he could never really go after anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you look at the thing, we're gonna get into the main event. This could be a, this is a serious contender that the NXT champion is gonna have to worry about. Yep, absolutely. So because I mean, you you might not have the benefit of having a third person in there. Yeah. Well, let's see what's gonna happen with that. You know, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Velveteen Dream doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Not anytime soon. Like that guy, he's he he's he's got he he continuously gets better when you think he can't get better. Yeah. For sure. And uh, he needs to stay put and stop with the call me up Vince stuff because be careful what you wish for, man. That's what people keep saying about that guy. That they're worried about what's going to happen once he gets called up. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> and it's kind of funny for a guy who, if you watch it weekly, Dream doesn't wrestle much on TV since he's been champion. He shows up every once in a little while, but it's almost, I kind of, it's kind of funny. I almost think of it as like, um, a way back in the day Hulk Hogan thing where you wouldn't see him wrestle very often. So when you did, it was always kind of special. Mm-hmm. So we had Matt Riddle in the middle of this pay-per-view calling out Killian Dane, who then charges the ring. And then there's a big brawl where Matt Riddle winds up destroying Dane and a lot of the security to boot with his, with his knee strike. Um, you know, he, he, he throws, he puts his, uh, he jumps on Dane's back and he puts him in a sleeper hole, but then Dane winds up driving him back into the LED stream. And then he does another attempt where he comes from backstage and he jumps. And this time, uh, in a desperation move, Killian Dane, he does this crazy spot where he jumps off of the ramp through a couple of tables with Matt Riddle. Yeah. Those two, they were, uh, they were gonna wrestle this past week on NXT, but Dane jumped, uh, Riddle before the match. And it just wound up not happening. So yeah, there's a there's a war brewing between these two. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely something brewing there. You know, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that because I've been itching to see Dane really get back into it since he came back in NXT. It's kind of funny to think that where everybody in sanity is, the leader is in the most irrelevant spot. Like freaking Alexander Wolves in Imperium and NXT. Nikki Cross is one half of the women's tag team champions. Killian Day's about to feud with Matt Riddle and Eric Young's just somewhere getting coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of anything else to be doing right now. That's so terrible when you put it that way, but it is true. Yeah, yeah, Mark. um, Dane also took out one of the security guards. There was there was this one poor security guard right in front of him. He just said, "Fuck it, you going with me?" I forgot. You're right. He did take the ride with him. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, so. Even worse for that table spot. But, uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. And, um, uh, well, we're, well, there's no voting results for that because that was completely unplanned. But the next match does have them because it's the NXT women's title match with Shayna Baszler defending against Mia Yim. Voting results coming in. What in the world happened to this community? A hundred percent for Mia Yim. I don't know. Like, this is Shayna Baszler. Like, she's not Shayna, going out like that. Shayna via leg triangle was the finish here. Yeah. A rare situation showing um the submission skill of Shayna Baszler, showing that submission magician is not just a gimmick, a no-arm triangle choke. Understand, I've been a fan of mixed martial arts since about 2003. I've seen that once. That takes serious talent to be able to choke somebody out with a no-arm triangle. I think I saw Nate Diaz do it one time, and that's about it. Yeah. And I also did like uh, Mia's Yakuza kick or cannonball. Um, 
I don't know if it's actually called the Code Blue, but she did an Avalanche Code Red power bomb, aka Sunset Flip power bomb. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what she names in her Mar- case. Like, Mar was calling was it a Code scary. Blue, I guess, because she's she has blue hair. Yeah, like that was scary. I didn't expect that because, like, you have to time that rotation perfectly. And I like that she hit Shayna with her own arm stomp. Right, she she worked. Yeah. The, like the main the reason that uh Shayna had to use her legs is because she virtually didn't have use of one arm. Yeah, and and she really yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was. I mean, at one point early on in the match, um, Mia put Shayna's arm in between the steps and the ring post and then drop kicked it. And Shayna sell Shayna sells pain fantastic. Mm-hmm, like yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll sit there like genuinely like concerned for the girl. And see, the problem with being over Shayna Kula Ice is that Shayna's good. <laughs> Shayna is and been NXT has been dominant as an NXT champion for a reason because the girl can kick ass. But um, yeah, Shayna, Shane they they beat the absolute shit out of each other. And, I mean, going back to the entrances, Mia Yim and her first takeover getting a decked out entrance. Like that yeah, girl, where, looked, where, like, that girl the, looked hyped. She got the John Cena version of the Mia Yim stuff, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. With a whole bunch of her little gangsters coming out with her. Oh, Which is weird God. to see her that way because I remember her being Princess Mia in the embassy with, uh, who the hell's the embassy's leader again? What's his name? I know Truth Martini was in it. No, 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 Prince Nana. Oh, no, no, Prince no, it was Prince Nana. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the, that's the version of her that I remember. The first version of I ever saw her was the dollhouse. When she had oh, pigtails yeah, and a pink skirt. So that was way later on. I know. <laughs> That was so much later, but no, for her first thing, she was Princess Mia in the embassy. And uh, if go back, if you can look her up during that, she was practically naked. Like, if yeah. the way she would come out during that gimmick is ridiculous to to this day. Like, she was the most naked person on Ring of Honor. Go look at some of the stuff that she used to wear. Well, yeah, well, Kula Ice, to prove, um, to, to tell you how accurate your point is, just like the Patriots, till somebody gets up and beats them, deal with it. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. A girl who knows her better than anybody on that roster couldn't beat her on this night. So, might as well start being happy with it. But, I mean, like, the girl, like, Shane has done so well as NXT champion. It's to the point where I literally had to reach into, like, I had to reach out a kayfabe to justify going for Mia in this match. That's how good that girl is. She beats up everybody on the roster. She can take a beating like nobody's business. And, I mean, we've seen a lot of cases. I thought about it when she went for the Cure Food of Clutch when her arm was damaged. I remember when that happened with her with, with Ember Moon when she won the NXT title the first time. That girl will go to some lengths to win a match. I mean, for the love of God, she choked out Ember while grabbing onto her hair because she couldn't use her other arm. Yeah, that is crazy. There's a shot of her on the screen now back when she was Princess Mia. Wow. <laughs> that, wow. I mean... Amazing, amazing, amazing job. I mean, yeah, cool eyes. Kyrie saying beat beat Shane about how that turned out. I'm just saying. But uh <laughs> yeah, just everything they did to each other, you could really feel I, I love um Mia even manager, because I think Mia's uh leg had been jacked up. It was kind of funny like to see these girls, each one had something that was I wouldn't even call it holding them back as much as kind of hindering a little bit of their offense, whether it was Mia's leg or Shane's arm, 
neither of these two were working with a full set of wheels by the time this match was over. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, but the but the match overall, it it held itself up good, and it didn't make me believe that there was a chance that maybe she would get something in there. You know, I like when she screamed out karma when she did the arm stomp on Shayna. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Shayna's done that to so many people. So. Yeah, no, really, really good stuff, guys. Really good. And that brings us to our main event of the evening, right? Yep. Three Which stages is- of hell. Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole for the NXT title. 100% of you want with Cole defending successfully against Gargano. And uh, 100% of you were right. Yeah, after... Basically, let's first of all get into that third fall. That thing, they didn't Notice they never even gave that thing a name. Yeah, it was called Lethal Lockdown. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> but I like how during the pre-show, how um, Regal unveiled it. His, I think his exact words were, I could tell you about it, but then I'll just show you. And then you see this monstrosity, a cage racked with weapons, uh, barbed wire over the top of it. Like, it, oh, it oh, this thing looked... And I like the way... They unveiled it because we talked about it on Monday, why there couldn't be something like a hell in a cell or a cage because people would see it. But they raised this thing up so high, nobody knew it was there. So yeah. it's that's I I never thought about that. Like, what happens if you raise that thing up as high as it can go? Because when they show these cages and these hell in the cell matches, they're never up as high. As, they're, they're never up as high as that winch can put them up. Hmm. Well, yeah. Well, how do you feel that this? Do you think that the buildup for this revelation was worth it? What for, like the third match, or just like the whole thing in general? Well, no, the third because that's really what they built up. The third match is the one that uh that they were like making it seem like it was going to be this really crazy thing. Yeah, um, I I I I liked it, and it's mainly because I I literally from the time we got off the air on Monday until Regal announced what it was. I was running through every type of match I could think they could do. And that thing never crossed my mind because I was thinking, okay, like what have, what, what matches of Cole been in that Gargano hasn't, what matches of Gargano has been that Cole hasn't, what matches have neither of them been in. And I never thought to the point where you could take a match where they've both been in it and just add a wild twist to it with all the weapons and the barbed wire and everything. So I definitely like it. And I like how well the commentary sold it. I like how how um when Cole got the when when um was it Cole that got the second fall? No, no, it was Gargano. Uh, let's see. The, 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 the first fall was Gargano um DQing himself with a chair and then he go he basically winds up using that opportunity to go ham knowing the second fall was going to be no DQ. What what the second fall The second um, fall, I think uh, Gargano got the tap. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah. And I definitely like, and it's even one thing that made the th- made me enjoy the third fall even more, the fact that you they sold that late realization of, wait a minute, they're one apiece. That thing is coming down now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they were, there were ladders up there. There were tables up there. I've never seen somebody put ladders on top of a cage. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because it just looked like it, there was no good coming out of it. But yeah, I, I feel like they delivered for sure when it came to that third fall. And I mean, they had to because the guys went on. I think they went around an hour like they they let them go as long as they needed to. And it, man, that match was absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like you said, the, I, I think the backdrop that Cole took on the announce table was crazy. Um, Gargano long darting Cole into that chair, followed by the cross face. Um, your, which, yeah, was the tap out there, as a matter of fact. Yeah. The long dart into the cross face tap out. Um, the tornado DDT on the chairs. Um, everything. Like I said, it was really, really incredible, really solid stuff. And it just, it got more and more violent as time went on to the point where, I mean, the finish to this, my God, after being on the top of a cage, on top of the cage, standing on a table, Gargano has gotten wire cutters from a bag that we originally just assumed there were tacks in and cut a piece of the barbed wire, tries to go at Cole's head with it. And they fall through two tables and the angle it looked like the angle of them that it was shot at. I thought Cole missed the table, but he wound mm-hmm. up going through it and he cut up his back pretty nice. But I was, I, I sat there. I think I even said in the chat, I was like, he barely touched the table. <laughs> yeah. Like, that angle, it happened so fast. Like I, I was like, I know Gargano went to the table, but to Cole just, Oh my God. It, yeah, just, Oh, and yeah, cool eyes. What do you mean? Why are you so surprised that uh, Mia Yim was in the dollhouse? Yeah, I, I, I just noticed that. Like, what? Wasn't she one of the main people? And and Rebel, yeah. who just got a job with with uh, AEW, becomes the last member, right? Yeah. And I mean, they didn't even use the, the sledgehammer, so it's just like the sledgehammer was a realistic least a concern there. I'm more concerned with the barbed wire on the, on the top of the cage. Like, just everything they did to each other. It was at, oh my God. At one point, I think, it, I want to say it was Cole that got up to the top rope and just took that ladder and just threw it at Gargano and he missed him, luckily. <laughs> but just the fact that, like, he would just throw a ladder at a man. Like, <laughs> that's certain things you just don't see every day. And that's wonderful. I mean, I think early on when the, the cage first came down, they literally just stood in front of each other and just hit each other with kendo sticks, kendo sticks over and over and over again. Like, oh, my God, this match. If, if there was ever a match where you were convinced two guys tried to kill each other, this was the one. Yeah, and that Avalanche Canadian destroyer, as cool as it is, they shouldn't make it a habit. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was a one-time thing because when he when I saw him go through the rotation, I'm thinking, he's, I'm thinking maybe he just over-rotated the power bomb. And it's like, no, he hit that man with a destroyer from the top rope. Yeah, no, nah, there was no game playing happening there, man. <laughs> they just send him out there and just like, do whatever you want. Just don't die. <laughs> That's probably the only direction they got that whole match. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. But it looks like uh, due to apparently some off-air things after a takeover went off the air, that might have been Gargano's send-off. Yeah, I'm hearing Gargano might be getting a call-up now. Yeah, because they gave him almost like the NXT style say your goodbyes. Like, they let him, the cameras weren't off the air, they didn't run his music. Regal hugged him and raised his hand at the top of the stage. So, that that might have been it for Johnny Wrestling in, um, in NXT. Oh, man, I don't know what he's going to do on the main roster. I don't know how much use he's going to be there with the way things are, you know? Yeah, I mean, I had a theory that I told a friend about the other day. Well, actually, it was um, when we were talking about just people getting called up. From what it looks like, Ciampa is getting better. There's no still no real timetable on how long it's going to be. 
but I almost we almost talk about the idea of if they somehow had the patience to wait until he come back until he comes back, you have DIY come up together. I would like that. I mean, they can't decide if these guys are faces or heels. They're almost like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at this point. Exactly. And I mean, that would be a pop and a half to not hear Chompa's music, not hear Gargano's music, but hear DIY's music. And um, it would be kind of fitting for if this if that was a Johnny send off because he'd mentioned it. That was the arena where DIY won the tag titles. Yeah. So it's definitely something that's possible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they would do better at this point. I think they'd be more profitable as a tag team than they would be singles in the chaos that is Raw and SmackDown right now. Yeah, and I mean, it would be nice to see those two because I mean, the once NXT saw they were getting back together, the crowd was absolutely a thousand percent for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I mean, I would just love to see somebody, uh, somebody on the main roster just caught catch meet me in the middle just one time. I don't ask for much. Just give me, meet me in the middle. I'm satisfied. Yeah. Overall, NXT was good, though. TakeOver was fantastic. TakeOver killed it. Yeah, very good. It it, it was five main events. Very good NXT TakeOver. Toronto! Yay! I can't fucking believe you did it again. (laughs) (laughs) In the midst of all that, I forgot about that shit. Ain't that a bit? Oh, boy. All right, well. We got to talk some injuries. Yay. People are hurt. Injuries. Yay. The Goldberg scrape is me again. Imagine. <laughs> Ruby Riot, as you guys know, is going to be having her second operation. She tweeted out this photo you see on screen on Instagram. This is round two fight. So, um, yeah, that's actually pretty bad. It's a, it's a couple of shoulder surgeries, so this must be the second one. It's messed up. Both of her shoulders need to work. But, um, you know, hopefully, we'll see her around soon again. You know, yeah. it seems like right now we don't have any Riot Squad people anywhere. So, And the sad part is that's not even on movie and hurt. They're just lazy. Yeah. Yeah, get um, well soon, girl. Yeah, one hundred percent get well soon. And when she comes back, I hope that they actually do something with her, where uh, you know, she's gonna be part of uh the riot squad and not do a singles thing. I don't want to hear, you know, all of the singles crap that they're trying to do with people because they don't have the room for it. And I think right now they need tag teams. So anything but singles, I think, would definitely work. You have tag team titles that you need to start trying to pretend like you give a shit about, like. Turn the wire squad loose. Yeah. According to PW Insider, I'm sorry, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, Lashley, Bobby Lashley, needs surgery because to remove bone spurs from his elbow. Bone uh, spurs is fun. Yeah, it's actually that big of a deal, so he will be back. You don't have to worry about that. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so it was announced on. Raw, but Paige announced it earlier on her Instagram that she was going to be going in for her second neck surgery. She's quoted as saying, Not the best pick of me, but had another consultation with my favorite doctor in the world. 
checking up on my neck. Unfortunately, I have the neck of a 60-year-old. The first fusion healed perfectly, but I developed another hernia above it after after my match and union there. It didn't get better over time. One more surgery. So that is really crazy. People are talking about maybe she'll come back one day. No, not in, in the contrary. She's going on her second surgery. She's not coming back. Hello. It's just not a thing that's happening right now. I mean, I still to this day, I like one of my favorite things she said in her retirement speech was that, yes, Daniel Bryan gave her hope, but Edge showed her, hey, there is something after. Yeah. So you can and you can even see it's not as hard on her as her as she's used to, because now she's willingly accepted either choice. If she comes back, great. If she doesn't come back, Hey, it happens. Yeah, no, exactly. So next we have, we talked about this last week, but Pac, Pac's injury. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I know we talked about it. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if you're ready. Let me see if I can get this on the screen here. So you could have a good look at uh, what the hell's happening with this guy because it was a lot worse than remember we had a picture I, I didn't realize that the injury was off screen last week look at oh. his leg. oh he has mm. bone sticking out the bottom of his leg oh my god oh that oh that's actually oh my god ooh Wow. That's crazy. Oh. This was at TNT Extreme in Liverpool. They're saying that he's okay. I don't know how, how what okay is. <laughs> Rectify okay. Is this bone sticking out of his leg? You know what I mean? I wouldn't trust him to play Super Mario Brothers in that condition. It's a, they said it's a bad gash in his thigh. It has shit. to be. He has to not be okay. I don't care what they say. It must be a definite. It must be. A, it must be like, hey, he's not gonna lose his leg. Okay. Yeah, that's what it must mean. That's right? the only kind of like, okay. Like we'll be able to save him and he'll walk around with a cane like Rick Grimes in the comic books. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, finally we have. We talked about this little Kavita Devi. She's out with an injury. She has a torn left ACL. She's gonna be having surgery on August fifteenth in two days. So you know, we wish her the best. And that's it for injuries. It was a short road. It was a trip to the gas station. Yeah, you got to keep them, keep them consistent. That way, we don't wind up having to be on here talking about them all day and all night. You know. I like it used to be some of them old days when every week somebody was hurt. Yeah, it was still that way. Trust me. It's just that we're keeping up with it a lot better. You know, it's a lot less chaotic around here lately. Yeah. So, I guess what's left to talk about is it just raw? Is that the main thing? Wow, yeah, that was Jesus Christ, that was brief. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's other stories and stuff, you know, that we can touch base on real quick since we're actually a little bit early. Well, uh, I do actually have a tad bit of a update on some of the 2K20 news. Okay, what's that? Um, basically, one of the new features that they're adding this year is known as a uh, 2k originals 
The easiest way I could describe this from what I've been hearing, it's going to be, for one thing, it's actually going to add a showcase DLC, which we've never had before because the game is actually technically not going to have DLC this year. What it's going to be, uh, showcase mode, they're going to add things like new superstar parts, um, new arenas, new showcase episodes. In fact, um, there's basically a, a shot rolling around the internet right now. It's of a Frankenstein Braun Strowman and almost like a swamp thing, Bray Wyatt. And then the arena is an arena in a swamp with a bunch of zombies. So it looks like it's going to have almost like a supernatural type feel in this new mode. So from what it's looking like, it's going to be something very much different that 2K is actually very excited about. It's going to be something of a brand new mode. Why and a lot do we of want the, a zombie mode in WWE game? Can somebody explain that to me? I mean, we had zombie Triple H last game, so. Because uh, the one thing that Xavier was mentioned uh, in some of the in, in the little promo about it was talking about in the, um, the career mode when you went to the multiverse. So it almost seemed like 2K was kind of teased, was kind of toying with that idea, seeing what would happen. Obviously, this isn't going to be one of like the one of the huge modes in the game. But it's going to be something where you can kind of it kind of takes you away from the more real experience. It's going to give you almost like a cartoony, supernatural type vibe to it. But so far, I only know a little bit about it. So I'm still waiting to hear more. Well, as always, we'll be streaming here. October will be the busiest month probably of the year. You got the launch of 2K20. The beginning of the month, you got the 20th anniversary of SmackDown and their debut on Fox. The day before that, you got on the second. You got, uh, if I'm correct, second or third, you got the AEW, the first ever episode. You know, it's like the whole first week of October and then everything going into the rest of October. Walking Dead comes back. You know, um, all of the Comic-Con news breaks. Literally, if you start from October 1st, by October 8th, your life's going to change. The whole rest (laughs) of the world is going to change dramatically. Yeah, so get ready for that. Um... So another story that I came across recently, and this was Finn Balor. He was on GQ magazine and uh, he spoke a little bit about his dieting and stuff and his training. And he basically is quoted as saying, people would be pretty surprised at how little training I do. If I feel like I'm out of shape, I can tighten it up in four days with my training and diet and be exactly where I need to be. I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, they go hand in hand, but I would lean more towards made in the kitchen. I can tell you right now that I I do absolutely zero cardio. If I go into a regular gym, I will sit at the bike for six minutes simply to transition my brain from being in civilization to the gym. Not for any sort of calorie burn or warm up or anything like that. Don't ask me why it's six minutes. That's just a weird OCD thing that I have. And I won't train for more than an hour. There will be a long period beforehand with some active stretching. And then I'll do a little bit of accessory work first. I won't do anything that's going to jeopardize what I do in the ring. So I'm uh, so... I'm not going to do any heavy squats, any heavy deadlifts. I'm more worried about the accessory work and making sure all the joints are in place with rotation, especially my shoulder injuries in the past. I want to do all the accessory work first. Then I'm fresh. I'm concentrating. I'm focused. And then I'll hit a little bit of hypertrophy and bodybuilding towards the end. But we're, we're talking maybe three drop sets of roles or something like that. So he's been, the guy's basically saying that like the thing that keeps him in shape mainly starts in the kitchen which I can tell you 100% that is real talk. 
You know what I, mean? <laughs> I knew you were going to say it too. Like diet is more important than exercise. They both go hand in hand, sure, but diet is the core of it. And like, if he basically says that he worries about his food habits and he doesn't go crazy, does zero cardio. This is a man who does zero cardio. You know, just want to put that into perspective for you. Not one cardio, not two cardio, zero cardio. You know, point five cardio. Yes, I mean, you really got to look at that for what it is. Zero cardio. So, and I mean, Bowler is in fantastic shape. Yes, I said Russo. So, yeah, that's oh, wow. if, if you didn't that. need any more proof. Yeah, no, he he really is, and um, yeah, it just goes to show that's the best place where this kind of stuff starts. Yep. You know? So, I just keep that in mind. My, I gotta start changing my diet very soon. So I mean, yeah, I I, I, I gotta be fin sexy. Like I gotta. Yeah, it's <laughs> the quality of life like nothing else, man. It really does. Yeah. yeah, I know, and no, I gotta be fin sexy will not be a title. <laughs> yeah, right. They wish. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> All right. Unless you have anything else, I think we can head over to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it's raw. Yeah, I don't know. Are we actually gonna do that? Do we ever do that anymore? No, no, we no. don't. They, 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 they gotta earn that back. Yeah, no, we're not gonna give them that one. You know. But yeah, Raw came to us from Toronto. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just realized next week's gonna be the last time we can do that for a while. Oh, oh my god! I think it's gonna stop being funny if he does it again. It's so funny. Oh, yeah, shit. we'll give a quick rundown before we wrap up here. But I just wanted to say I like the opening segment between Rollins and the OC. Uh, the crowd was popping for AJ, even though he was a heel. And, uh, yeah, I thought that's a really good feud to have right there. You know, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, what could possibly go wrong with that? You know, I like AJ healing it up, going off and shake his hand, teasing him with the OC guys. Like if they're going to come in the ring and take him out and all of that. Um, yeah. really cool. Um, you have Zane and Zane backstage. That was really funny. He's telling the pre, the street prophets. He's essentially saying how, like, you know, no one here ever, um, everyone gets washed down after a while. It happens to everyone. If you look at Becky Lynch, she was the man and it was organic, but now, you know, it's all corporate contrived nonsense is what he was alluding to. And then, uh, he doesn't realize Samoa Joe standing behind him and the street prophets are like, even a guy like Samoa Joe. And he was like, man, especially Samoa Joe. Let me Yo, tell you about this guy. So when that, he was here. <laughs> He said when he was the here, first year, he was beating me. everybody. I'm not looking at him over here saying a Roman. No, you okay? hey. <laughs> he's the way he went, hey. <laughs> and he turned around like, oh, Roman. You know he, said, he, said, oh, oh, Joe. he said, Joe, I didn't know you were here. You know what Joe sounded like? <laughs> Joe sounded like a Joe sounded like a parent that just got your report card and you know you fail and everything. And you try to walk past him like he ain't see you there. Oh my god. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> And then oh, we have the match with Samojo beating the hell out of Sami Zayn. Is Joe face now? See, here's the thing. Joe shoots a really bad heel promo after he's done finishing Sami Zayn off. And I, I think that's because all over the dirt sheets, there were rumors that he's a face now, all because he showed concern over Roman Reigns, which I don't think that was done to give off the impression that he's a face now. But and the moment that that segment ended, before Rory even went off the air last week, right after the car thing happened, when he was saying, can somebody get help? 
all over all of the news was Samoa Joe face turn. And I was thinking, was that a face turn? Just because he went, could somebody get me help? And I think that WWE creative probably got annoyed with that, where it was, what the, the hell? Face turn? So they, they reestablished him that he was a heel. That's why he came out tonight. Or at least I feel that's why he didn't. He was like, just because I, I forgave Roman doesn't mean I forgive any of you. Because there's this crazy rumor. All of a sudden, he was like baby face, which I don't get. You know? Yeah. So, See, man, yeah. we almost got a Joe face turn. They are ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> we had Miz, who has, he was supposed to face Ziggler, but Ziggler comes limping out. He's feigning an injury, but it turns out he's just faking it. He's going to attack Miz. And uh, even so, Miz winds up kicking his ass. But he's doing, he's literally channeling the, the, the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail because of, at first we suspected <laughs> it during our... We suspected it at first during our SummerSlam, but then he literally, he quotes him and going, tis but a flesh wound. He says the, the black oh knight quote. God. You expect him to, to have both his arms and legs missing, you know? Come back here, you yellow bastards. I'll bite your legs off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. So that's what they're going. He hits him with the skull crush around. He's like, man, come back here. And he hits him with another one. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Ray versus Andrade, which was a really solid match. Ray hitting that beautiful apron Hurricane Rana to the outside. Um, I don't know what the hell was that awkward code red or Canadian destroyer that Ray hit um, Andrade where he springed over the, the, the rope. And then, I'm not sure what he was. Spo- I feel like because of the fact that Andrade seemed to land more on his neck and upper shoulders, I feel like that was supposed to be a code red. Yeah. We got, uh, we got, it was two out of three falls. Ray loses both falls. One because Selena Vega's distraction. The second one more or less the same, but it was the hammerlock DDT. And then afterwards, he sort of pulls a fucking Jet Li from Expendables and he's like, my family, I need more money for my family. He's like, <laughs> repeating my family. And I'm like, what is this? And he's like, I need to see my family. And that was it. I don't know. The fact gonna, that he mentioned family, it they, just sounds like they're going to bring in Dominic. That that's that you randomly took a word out of my mouth. I it guess. sounds like sometime I mean, soon Dominic's coming. That was always the plan, you know. Yeah. It just seems like this is finally where they finally pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. So Stone Cold shows up to promote his new TV show, but they try to disguise it as he's interested in the Seth Rollins situation, and he brings it via Skype, kind of like we're doing <laughs> right now, but with worse audio. And uh, that gets on my nerves. That that really got on my nerves. I don't, I try not to be a prude or anything, but when I look at the fact that these guys make a lot more money than we do, and they can't keep something as basic as a Skype phone call with proper audio, like did you guys do any kind of a sound check? And even if you didn't do a sound check, you're telling me that your default starts that bad? You know what I mean? <laughs> like what? Like, what is going is it just here? me? Or did the end sound like it was like a pre-taped piece that just snuck in there? Because it was just like, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin show coming out right after Raw. Oh, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> what? And that was just I how it ended. Like, it's just like, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't know, man. It was it wasn't that good. I honestly it it was so poorly put together that it took me out of it the entire I don't even know what he said. I was just so all put by the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin they can't bring him in and now we're settling from not even via satellite, via Skype. I, I you know, just know he was stumbling over his words several times. Yeah, because you know why? Because it was poorly put together and they probably all felt it. I felt it. I didn't listen to it, you know. It was on Skype. It was on regular Skype on the Tron. It didn't make any sense to me and it wasn't even good Skype. Like at this point, the the, the next best thing they would have had was freaking Michael Cole goes, Oh, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin here, and all you hear is Okay, hey, it's don't call it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have had it at that point. Like, 
you know, we're, we're by no means NBC over here or CBS or anything, you know. So, but when I turn my nose up on stuff, I, I, I say full disclosure, breaking the fourth wall here and everything. You know, I run the whole production here. I have the screen that I'm running. I'm monitoring the audio drops, you know, the overlay, the, the chat room. I have the program in front of me, you know, and we have to make sure the audio on the microphones going into the Skype call and everything else are good. And it's me, just one human being that's keeping all of those things going at the same time, like a high wire juggling act. Then I look at this and I know that in WWE, they have like two people for every one job. And you're telling me that not one of you two idiots was able to get that a <laughs> little bit tighter. Hire me then. I could do four or five of those jobs. And write the show. And write the damn show. And be home in time to play Call of Duty. <laughs> you know? It just goes back to the, the, uh, one of the key problems in our, in our society is that at the end of the day, uh, there are a lot of people in positions that they should not be in that don't know what they're doing, you know, and there are a lot of people that know what they're doing that aren't in any positions that they should be. And that goes for politics and everything else and sports and wrestling, you know, it's not just people are isolating WWE. They're not the only ones guilty of not giving people what they deserve or hiring the wrong people for the wrong job. It's just more mm-hmm. noticeable with them. And all I'm saying, WWE, is I'm going to need y'all to work on your banter, okay? That's kind of my specialty. That did not sound real. (laughs) Nothing sounds real. The cake is a lie, and that Skype call is a lie. Yeah, Drew Drew uh, Gulak has a match against Cedric Alexander. Really good match. Nasty clean. (laughs) You mean McIntyre? I'm sorry, Drew McIntyre. Yes. Why do you do that to Gulak? This is 205 Live. It's raw. I got to remember. It's raw. (laughs) You know, yeah, they actually got to have an actual match. Yeah, and I like the nasty claymore. Good, good oversell at the end. Dude, Cedric's selling is absolutely incredible. It almost felt like he could win for a little while. I could see Cedric Alexander fighting Kofi Kingston or someone like that in the future would be cool, you know? I'd like to see the title scene look like that, not just a big guy. Cedric is so fast. I mean, when he does his dive over the top rope, I love just watching the speed he generates right before he leaps. It's like him and Ember Moon, the speed they can generate in such a short distance. That's only maybe 20 feet, okay? <laughs> it's like that dude, oh my god, absolutely. It's good. It was good to see him actually get to show what he was doing back in 205 Live that made him Cruiserweight Champion in this match. Yeah, absolutely. And then we had the Revival going up against the Lucha House Party. But in the middle of the match... We have R-Truth who pops up. He's running from backstage and there's a bunch of jobbers chasing him for his title. He winds up, I don't know why the Lucha House Party, even the commentary didn't know why the Lucha House Party is beating everybody up. Uh, suddenly the truth is in the ring and the revival winds up nailing him with the old heart foundation finisher, the heart attack. And, uh, they cover him, but we don't know which one of the revival members is now the 24-7 freaking champion. And, uh, I don't know. A whole bunch of fuckery happens here where Carmelo ultimately ends in Carmelo putting our truth on top of Dawson to win it back and then them escaping. Um, but then backstage, Elias winds up winning it from our truth. He attacks, attacks him in the back with a guitar and then he takes off, leaving him as the, uh, 24 seven champion. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Like, it's like, why, if, if you're running away from people, why do you hit your music? That was, like, see, that's the problem with WWE. They almost don't know when to do their own thing because I saw when you put them in the chat and I was thinking the exact same thing. If R-Truth just happens to be running from backstage, why would his music play? He's not Because then match. everybody's going to know where you are. It makes no sense. Like, what, does the truck just see him coming and they hit his music? Like, that, that's the like the equivalent of 
us playing Black Ops and we're in Blackout and we get into the circle and then everybody starts shooting. Like, <laughs> why just telegraph where you're at so everybody and their third cousin twice removed can come for you? Yeah, no. They have to know when to and when not to play people's music. When to and when not to have people come out in regular clothes. Like Sasha Banks tonight, for example, which we're going to get into shortly, you know. She should have came out in regular clothes, you know. Yeah, that, that would have been... Thinking about it now, that would have been a little bit better. You know, because she doesn't have a match, does she? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, hello, <laughs> idiots, but they don't care. Um... So then we do get that. We get Natalia who comes to the ring and she starts saying about how she had a dream about her father last night. And uh, she talks about how she tapped to Becky, but she'll get Becky in the future. Sasha's music hits and she comes out immediately. The one thing I notice is her hair looks weird. I was like, yeah, your hair looks really, really weird. That doesn't look we good. Know why. You know, it looks like WWE 2K18 graphics. What's oh, the hell's going on no. here? But uh, she comes out and... uh she has a moment with Natty and then she turns heel and she hits Natty and she turns takes her hair off. It was a wig. Underneath her hair is blue. Now she's Sasha Blue. Sasha know? Blue. Not to be confused with Ashley Blue. That is a point. You stupid. <laughs> Not to be confused with Sasha Gray either. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have officially outdone the Whoopi Colbert Bill Colbert. <laughs> To a third place. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely didn't see the third one coming. <laughs> that was great. Sasha Blue, not to be confused with Ashley Blue or Sasha Gray. <laughs> that needs to make it into the anniversary episode, I swear to God. I will be so hot if we play that highlight reel and that shit doesn't make it in. <laughs> But yeah, Sa- Sasha Blue. She she turns she turns heel here, you know, and she's 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 beating the hell out of Becky, and I mean I mean on Natty, and then Becky shows up. She does a run in, but unfortunately to, to no avail because she winds up catching a chair beating, and you hear Sasha saying they kind of try to bleep it out, but she's like, "You want to talk shit about me?" And she starts pummeling over the chair. <laughs> Remember, I told you guys in the beginning of the show we were gonna get back to this. So again, going back to the beginning when everyone's saying, "Oh, Becky," it took a lot of guts for her to shoot on Sasha like that. Guess what? That only happened over the weekend. Becky probably knew at that point that Sasha was coming back. That was a storyline, and that was the that was literally the first promo of a storyline that we played in the beginning of this show. What everyone was perceiving as a shoot was just the promo that initialized this whole thing. That way, they'd have her come out and say, "You want to talk shit about me? Take this beating." So she took a beating, all right. That was so Becky wasn't speaking out of term. That was probably part of the angle, and that's the reason why we wound up here. So. I don't know how I feel about Sasha being back after being gone for so long um, and them not saying anything. I mean, obviously, they straightened things out. They offered her whatever she wanted. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, I mean, I guess there was no way out of the contract is what we're seeing based on what happened because they basically held her until they made her an offer she couldn't refuse, literally. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, so welcome back, Sasha. The Kabuki, Kabuki Warriors job out to Bliss and Cross. You almost said Kabuku, didn't you? No. <laughs> I don't know what I'm but they, they job out to Bliss and Cross. And uh, uh. there was a little sequence at the end there where uh, Bliss is dragging uh, Cross, trying to drag her to her corner. And then the ref is telling her, no, she has to make a legal tag. And then this causes... Uh, I don't remember which Kabuki warrior to get distracted. But anyway, long story was, short. I think it was Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie gets distracted and this leads to her demise. She winds up uh winds up eating uh 
first song. Yeah, it was uh, her, her her spinning neck breaker. She called the purge, and then twisted bliss, and then twisted bliss for the finish. She tags in Nikki after the purge for the twisted bliss, and that pretty much puts the exclamation point on that. They retain the titles. We just—it's kind of funny because uh, earlier Paul Heyman was complaining about the fact that he has to go into Brock Lesnar's dressing room and, and explain to him that there are no more rematches, and then it's like after that, coming up next rematch: Kabuki Warriors versus Bliss and Cole. <laughs> Like, all right, guys, whatever you say. Clearly, no one cares about anything here. You know what I mean? Do I need to go down to Stanford with my coffee, you know, and start just pouring it for people and I get everybody nice and ready? Like, what is happening here? Like, are you kidding me right now? Are you shitting me? Like, they did an angle. It's like, oh, we have to tell Brock there's no more rematches. Come on, like, Kabuki Warriors versus Bliss and Cross. SummerSlam rematch, you idiot. I literally never thought about that. That's unbelievable. That was the shittiest thing. Oh my god! And oh everyone thought god. Brock was going to be there. He wasn't. We don't even know what the reaction was of him not getting a rematch anymore. I mean, once good, he again, didn't they rematch, tell us no. something and then just don't even follow up. <sighs> <laughs> so next up, a rematch. <laughs> 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 That's how I'm segueing everything for the rest of this raw. Like, <laughs> I'm just kind of that shit. I can't wait to get off of here and watch something with better writing because I know that no matter what I select, it will have it. All I'm saying is new Botchamania, like I said. <laughs> Unbelievable. So that brings us to the main event, AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins, which isn't much of a main event. It was good, but it winds up getting thrown out by the OC's interference. Yeah. And this is after. They were interfering throughout the match. The ref even sends them up the ramp. He's like, look, get out of here. And everyone's like, good call by the ref, only for them to show up later on, get the match thrown away, leading into a run-in from Ricochet. Who gets an insecurity on AJ Styles and very little offense before winding up having to eat a boot of doom. But this is all a lead in to Braun, who's now showing up and he's going to run down the ramp and he's making the save. He's knocking OC members all over the place. He's hitting AJ with the running power slam. Then you got Rollins, who's up against the upper left turnbuckle looking over and more or less just, you know, looking confused. At, uh, oh, you know, we have, uh, Braun here helping me. And then you have Ricochet, who's over on the right ring side over by commentary table. He looks over confused. Braun goes over, picks up the Universal Championship, slides back into the ring, hands it to Rollins with there being an implication in the air of, is this him challenging him? We don't know, but for the time being, he saved him. And that's sort of how they go off of the air. I feel like if that was the message they were going for, they could have had Braun not just hand it so quick. Because Braun just literally walked over to him like, all right, here's your title. Woo, going off the air. <laughs> I think that's what they were going for. Maybe they'll just be buddies for now. Maybe they're going to be, is that going to be a team right now? Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, and Ricochet? It's kind of funny. We we literally talked about it last night, like Ricochet needing to have backup. Maybe they got backup now. Yeah, but let's not be ridiculous with the backup here now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, really, Braun is going to be against the OC guys? I mean, hey, somebody got to take the pin. All right. Yeah, I said it, bro. <laughs> yeah, and they actually put up an OC thing afterwards, so let's see what the hell this is. Ooh. AJ Styles, a night of confrontations for you first, calling out Seth Rollins, and then we have to talk about the end of the night with Braun, Braun Strowman. Strowman. Right? We're going to talk about Braun Strowman. What was he doing down there? I challenged Seth Rollins. I wanted to show the world what a true champion is. Did I challenge Braun Strowman? No, I don't think so. He had no business coming down there and ruining everything. And Kathy, I appreciate everything you're doing. In fact, you're doing a wonderful job. And you look beautiful tonight. But 
I don't know where Braun Strowman is right now. I don't know what he's up to. Obviously, he's a sneak attack kind of guy. So maybe for your safety, maybe I take this and you, you know, watch your back. Yeah. Safer this way. Braun Strowman wants to get in the OC business, huh? He wanted to get my attention. Well, let me get your attention. I'm going to put my United States championship on the line next week against you, Braun Strowman. Do I have your attention now? Next week, Raw, you're mine. Damn. I don't mind AJ being a heel. I actually like it. I just hope something that gets, gets lost in translation a lot, especially in WWE when AJ turned heel, is the whole phenomenal aspect. And I kind of don't yeah. want them to forget that. It's kind of like, yeah, he's a heel and everything. Let's not nerf him now. Like, he's still phenomenal. Like, you know, he's a multiple-time WWE champion. And, you know, like, he has a lot of prestige and stuff. He's supposed to be really hard to beat. Like, remember a few weeks ago how hard he is to beat? I hate when they do that with a lot of champions where they, like, nerf them down. Where it's kind of like, it is still AJ Styles fighting Ricochet, right? Like, regardless exactly. of heel or not, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, this is the second time he's had a heel run where it kind of feels like whenever he's heel, he loses the whole phenomenal thing. You know what I mean? Well, last time he was losing to James Ellsworth and he was like basically an idiot who kept losing and getting screwed over by Babyface Shane. You know what I mean? It's like now this time it almost seems like he's being overpowered by all these and he's leaning on the OC like a lot. I like the idea of the heel aspect, but I think when it comes to big game matches, he needs to beat AJ Styles, the phenomenal AJ Styles. And, uh, exactly. A good example that I'm going to use is uh, The Rock's final run uh, when he fought Stone Cold that last time. If you recall, the last time The Rock, he was Hollywood Rock, which is what they called him. And he had that whole heel turn with the crazy Tron that showed the city. And uh, that's where that that's where actually uh, this drop comes from. Toronto! Yay! He was here. You know, this whole day I thought it was like Sami Zayn or something. No, no, I was The Rock. You remember when he was... <laughs> Even, I remember even, even the chat room was quoting it. That's when he went to Toronto. He was like, the rock has come back to Toronto. And he turns at him and he's like, what are you? You've never heard anybody say your hometown before? You're all going to And he goes, Toronto! Yay! And he, and he shits all over them. But the point being, that was Hollywood rock. That's when he wore the leather vest. He used to come out with the guitar and he'd sing songs and he'd shit on everybody. He, he crapped all over Sacramento. Whenever Austin came out, he would run away and he would play like this dastardly heel. During pay-per-views, he was still the great one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. during pay-per-views, that whole facade of that gimmick he was playing and running around on Raw and the antics of being a heel, that shit came off, man. He was still the rock when it was pay-per-view time. Go back and watch that WrestleMania, the final one, where he where he hits the where he hits Stone Cold with, with a rock bottom from hell. You know, like... Yeah, if, four or five of them. No, but the final rock bottom of that match oh, yeah. is the worst sounding rock bottom I've ever heard in my entire life. It's probably the worst bump. It sounds like the Master Chief shotgun going off when he, when he with that last rock bottom. <laughs> I kid you not. Go back and watch because that's one of the first things I went back to when I got the WWE Network. And uh the sound effect that that final and it's funny because it's the last rock bottom of uh of the rock's entire of 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 stone cold's entire career it's the it's the last bump of stone cold steve austin if you go back and you watch that bump it uh it, it definitely there's not there's no one like it and that says a lot considering how many times he's rock bottom people not just anyone but stone cold he's rock bottom hundreds of times but that last time dude if you go back and watch that last time that he hit him 
you never, I dare anyone, I put a challenge out to anyone listening to this, find a rock bottom that has that sound and that bump, like the last move that Stone Cold Steve Austin ever took as an active wrestler. To this day, I've never heard anything sound like that. To this day. But that's but the point being, not to go too far off topic, was that that's the rock that came back when he was a cowardly heel. One that would hit you with a rock bottom that's like historically one of the worst rock bottoms ever. You know? I wish I had it on screen somewhere, you know? I'm yeah, seeing, is, is this it? Let me see if I can, I, all you guys need is the sound effect. I can't, I don't, actually, no, I don't, I wouldn't want to do it without the actual, um, stuff, you know, where you can actually they see the match. appreciate that sound so much more. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to see it as the actual thing, which, uh, we don't have enough time to do, but remind me next week that, uh, to go play that bump, if anyone in the chat room even remembers or gives a damn. But anyway, don't forget tomorrow. To be back here after 205 Live at 11 p.m. Eastern to be part of the Party Game Zone. Go to TalkBrunch.com. The banner at the top, just press play on it. That is our live feed. You will see it live when we are live. We have a lot of fun there, right, Destin? Oh, it is a party and a half. You don't need a game console to join. You don't need anything. You don't have to pay. All you need is a mobile device, some sort of a phone. Your laptop will do. Anything that goes on web browsers, you can sign right in. Be part of the fun. Many people from the chat have done it. We're going to be recruiting more people. We're going to be doing rotations and bringing in new panelists. So if you're interested in that, you can contact us about that information because it's an ongoing progress. But uh, yeah, Party Game Zone tomorrow night. Same place. Top of TalkBrunch.com is the easiest way to find us if you've never been here before. Yeah. Otherwise, you can uh, go to Mixer.com slash TalkBrunch. It'll give you the same exact feed in both places. And it's easy to tell when we're live. You can follow us on social media. And there'll be stuff throughout the rest of the week. A whole lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, thank you to everyone who hung out with us for this wonderful stream. Everyone that's been in the chat room throughout the entire night. EB Gamer, Joe Woko, Willie V2, Stasis Dreams, Kula Ice, Mark 718, George Z, Dakota Rock 6, Lurks. Born set 89177344. And of course, all of you who are listening across the airwaves at talkbrunch.com and the live feeds and the on demand versions of iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and various other platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 334, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and Destin, we are out of here. Oh, hell yeah! Shut it down!